As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Allen, a superstar, bursting onto the scene. That's a dumb question. Nine to noon. Not much else to say. That's right. Time for two more. There are many, many positives I can get out of this game. The game is over. Fire away. You know, first and foremost, uh, my time here ever since 2009 has been amazing. Um, the, the, the way I've been welcomed in from the organization, but more importantly, even the, the people outside of the organization with all around the city, how they've treated my family. Uh, it, it really is home and it always will be home. A high fly to left field. Deep to left field. Target. Catch it. Dozier with a diving catch. Wow, play. Oh my, what a double play. I would do anything in my power. Drive to left field on a 3-1 pitch and Dozier has another one. He has been one of the best power hitters in the league. He has been one of the streakiest. And it looks like he's on a hot streak right now. Second deck for Brian Dozier, his 13th home run of the year. Breaking ball off the end of the bat. Dozier going back. And makes a nice catch with his back to the infield. And a drive to left field. It's high, it's deep, and it is gone. That's how you respond after a heartbreaking loss. Dozier with a leadoff home run, number 23. A deep drive to left field. The unique thing and the amazing thing about it is God puts you in, in, in a position to go do work somewhere else. And my time uh, in L.A. has now begun for the next two months. And um, they're just like here, they're going to get 100% of it. So uh, a lot of different emotions now, but at the same time, uh, you know, it can be kind of exciting. Nine to noon radio on a Thursday, 9.05. Good morning. I'm Paul Allen from the Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. This is FM 100.3 The Fan. Dozier the Dodger. 
Oh my heavens, what a debut last night for the former twin. The twin we thought would be a lifer. Dozier the Dodger with an unbelievably polarizing debut for the Big Blue Wrecking Crew last night. Good morning. He starts the game with an air. So those at Chavez Ravine are probably like, um, where's Logan Forsythe? Um, what is happening here? Uh, we are desperately trying to win the NL West, make the postseason, and now we got this L with an air. Then he hits a home run in front of his new favorite fans in his first game. It tied the game. He tipped the cap because they begged for a curtain call. When you get a curtain call playing for Derek Jeter's Miami Marlins or the Arizona Diamondbacks or Team Du Jour, it's cool and you're very appreciative. When you get a curtain call during your debut... For baseball immortality, the L.A. Dodgers. That's that that requires covenant claps from nine to noon. It may be the love we lost. What an unbelievable debut for our guy last night. Yeah, it certainly was. And no matter how you view into it, uh, what he was able to do, step off the plane the uh, yesterday, uh, doesn't get an opportunity to play. And then uh, last night, of course, in the game, making his debut, and he goes three for four. And it's weird, in the, in the Twins lineup, he's first or second throughout the entire duration of his career. Now for a team that has aspirations of returning to the World Series, uh, he's just in that sixth or seventh spot with 30-plus home run power. And uh, it was very fitting that he steps off the plane, gets an opportunity to play, and puts one in the seats for his new team. Brian Dozier instantly became more popular in L.A. than silicone and vaping. I always love that one. He scored the go-ahead run in the seventh inning. At this stage, Vin Scully was so excited, he probably started driving to the stadium to request taking back his boxing job. I always love that one. Bottom eight, our guy, who's now their guy, Brian Dozier, ropes a double down the left field line, and if it doesn't bounce into the stands, the Dodgers take the lead and probably win the game. After something called Kenley Jansen comes in and shuts down Aaron Sickman's brew crew. Another standing ovation for our guy, who now is their guy, Brian Dozier. Team owner Magic Johnson probably wants to lend Dozier his nickname. I always love that one. There probably already are talks in La La Land about adding a star that says Dozier to the Hollywood Walk of Fame outside of Groman's Chinese Theater. His new team beat the Brewers in the bottom of the 10th, and there was plenty of joy in Mudville. Life can be weird, man. Life can be maddening. He's feeling the buzz of this new vibe, and we got crickets back here trying to hit Carlos Carrasco. Steve Garvey, Ron Say, Pedro Guerrero, the real Fernando Mania, They're all blushing. What a Dodgers debut last evening for one Brian Dozier. A curtain call at Dodger Stadium. On the 9 to Noon radio presentation today, speaking of baseball, uh, former stud reliever, former all-star Glenn Perkins joins the 9 to Noon mix. Uh, He was the rage of Facebook Live yesterday for the Twins-Cleveland Indians game. In a paramutual puzzler, we lost.
and we struck out 12 times. There are 27 outs in a baseball game. 12 of them for us went via the whiff. Glenn Perkins joins 9 to noon at about 10.15. Before that, an incredibly controversial subject that does not involve Urban Meyer and or his family. It's three downs of sound at 9.55, analyzing pertinent topics around the National Football League. So, three downs of sound at 9.55, super special Glenn Perkins at 10.15, then bow hunting Burnsy is in studio at 10.55. He's Ryan Burns, publisher, founder, and member of Gopher Illustrated. A lot of Minnesota Vikings conversation on the 9 to noon presentation, and why not? We have a life changer eight days from today at Invesco against Denver. Meanwhile, one month from today, the Golden Gophers football team debuts in the iHeartMedia family, I believe against New Mexico State. So it behooves us to learn how things are operating for Sky Yuma Inc. this offseason. Bo Hunting Burnsy will be in studio at 1055. Then at 1135, we have a guest that um, happens to excite me. I think uh, Minnesota Vikings fans will be uh, very tickled to learn the opinions of an Evan Silva who joins at 1135. He is a senior football editor for Roto World. You can learn more about him via Twitter at Elvin, uh, Evan Silva. Uh, Vikings fans will appreciate his opinions when it comes to the National Football Conference. And uh, we also will mix in some fantasy football conversation with Evan Silva, who joins at 11.35. Nordo produces, and I'm Paul Allen, from the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios. It's Thursday. Let's funk it up together at FM 100.3 The Fan. Good morning. Get some beers, get some whatever, and start celebrating. On the Fan. Programming on the Fan brought to you in part by Bradshaw and Bryant. I don't know if you've heard about this yet. We talk about the iHeartRadio app, but State Fair Radio is now on iHeartRadio. You get to hear music, past and present artists who have played at the State Fair, find out where the best foods are, parking updates, take advantage of special offers, and much more. Plan your trip when you listen to State Fair Radio only on the iHeartRadio app. Download the free iHeartRadio app and search State Fair Radio. It's powered by Signature Concepts and Goldie's Locker Room. Real love each and every weekday in the Love Covenant with your buddy Paul Allen. Good morning. It's 918 on this Thursday. This is your Michael McDonald leader, the fan. Ain't nothing bad about real love, right? Is everybody familiar with Bleacher Report? I'm not an elite Bleacher Report mind. A guest we have a handful of times during the year, Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout, does a fantastic job uh, when I peek at Bleacher Report and or uh, Matt Miller's work leading up to the National Football League draft. But uh, in perusing Twitter, 
between segments for National Football League uh, related topics and or takes. A few things have developed, ladies and gentlemen. None of them are controversial, but some of them are ever titillating. Uh, first and foremost for me, uh, given yours truly, uh, we'll be calling two Minnesota Vikings Chicago Bears games this year, and the Chicago Bears debut this evening in the Hall of Fame game against Lamar Jackson's Baltimore Ravens. Um, I need, tr- I truly need to get a grasp on the correct pronunciation of the last name of the Chicago Bears head coach. Is it Nagy or is it Nagy? Is it Nagy or is it Nagy? Nevertheless, he's all over this Bleacher Report story that had a headline uh, that um, accomplished undoubtedly what uh, Bleacher Report was looking to accomplish. Having some rube like yours truly read a headline and then click on the bit (laughs) for functioning clickability. You got me. Mitchell Trubisky is primed to be NFL's breakout sophomore. Wow. How do we handle that given Dalvin Cook is a National Football League sophomore? Is there a breakout that is required for Dalvin Cook who played three and a half games? Or was Dalvin Cook off his sterling debut against the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football last year? Is no breakout required for Dalvin Cook? Now, FIBA, Fairness and Bears Act, we are not having Bears-related envy with some story yours truly just found at Bleacher Report. And watching Mitch Trubisky's debut on Monday Night Football against our favorite football team, and then watching his development during the course of the season and seeing him in the season finale at U.S. Bank Stadium last year, absolutely. You could tell Mitchell Trubisky definitely had a better grasp of the offense and was improving. He was improving in terms of staying in the pocket, not breaking the pocket after looking at one read and some L is covered, and then now he's going to take the whole thing off schedule and just like run willy-nilly uh, because he's 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 rookie Mitchell Trubisky and you know, he ain't going to stay in the pocket and stand tall like some of the best. He had 4.9 yards per attempt, however, in that season finale against he, the Minnesota Vikings. He got better as a, a rookie quarterback as the season went on, but there was certainly nothing over the top from my standpoint that, that indicated to me, per the Bleacher Report headline, Mitchell Trubisky is primed to be NFL's breakout sophomore. It's not... Expect Mitchell Trubisky to be better in his second season. It's not Mitchell Trubisky is advancing quite speedily with the quarterback's version of passing and or running alacrity this offseason. It it says he's going to be NFL's breakout sophomore. So what goes into becoming uh, NFL's breakout sophomore? Uh, the story, which, by the way, is very well written by an individual named Doug Farrar. Uh, and I follow Doug on Twitter, and uh, he is an elite football mind. So 9 to Noon in no way is mocking the writer or the story. I just simply am, am wondering what concoction and or formula do we have here where when you like mix the thing together, you think of all of the rookies who are now going to become sophomores, why this individual 
is not on the improve or does not have a right to be better, but the proclamation is NFL breakout sophomore. They're uh, quoting from the story, reading from the story, like Hans Christian Anderson Allen. There are few more graphic examples of a coaching staff hindering than helping a quarterback than the two Jared Goff has had. The Los Angeles Rams quarterback had a nightmarish rookie year under head coach Jeff Fisher and offensive coordinator Rob Boris in an impossible situation where limited route concepts and horrible protection made Goff look like a bust. Fast forward to 2017 and the schematic designs put forth by Sean McVay Uh, Fisher's replacement, McVay, not only gave the Rams a new and much-needed face of the team, but he also gave Goff a playbook that was both more complex and easier to digest. McVay presented the second-year quarterback with an easy first read on every play. As he got comfortable and confident, the coach helped him thrive in route concepts that helped the entire field up for him to see. I'll be um, with those route concepts and the complexity, like being easier to digest. How'd that all work out the final 55 minutes at U.S. Bank Stadium? Hmm. Uh, then there, uh, there, there also was the Falcons playoff game. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, we, we advanced through the story. Goff's uh, touchdown rate went from 2.4 percent to 5.9 yards per attempt, 5.3 to 8.0 through seven touchdowns in both seasons. And he had just five touchdowns in his rookie campaign compared to 28 in a second. So now we fast forward to super special Mitchell Trubisky heading into his second season. Second overall pick 2017 draft. Rookie year completed 59.5% of his passes, seven touchdowns, seven picks in 12 games. Not too different from Goff's first NFL season. And just as it was for Goff, Trubisky was severely limited by his coaching staff in his first year, but has the potential to break out in a big way in his second. Former head coach John Fox and his staff struggled to find schematic options that would help their rookie, which went against um, what we saw in the preseason. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Now, John Fox, may his, his football mind may be of the defensive variety. Yeah. But was was he at one point of his career not good enough to uh, lead a Carolina Panthers team to the Super Bowl? I do remember that Jake Delhomme, early mm. Steve Smith year, Moussin Muhammad. Correct. Yes, they uh, they went to a Super Bowl. A little bit of a sidewinding shot at uh, Coach Fox. Okay, I respectfully disagree. So then they get into Trubisky's preseason tape. Uh, the Bears replace Fox with the guy whose last name I can't pronounce, Nagy or Nagy. Uh, Bears fans, email booth at KFAN.com, Bradshaw and Brian inbox. What are you hearing? Nagy or Nagy? The announcer needs to know. Now, I will watch NFL Network this evening to watch Lamar Jackson do his thing against uh, against the Chicago Bears, and I think RG3 is going to play at least a quarter. Uh, my intel indicates they're showcasing him uh, because he probably will not be on the Baltimore Ravens when the, uh, when the old final cuts fall. Uh, so yours truly will uh, take a peek at the Canton game this evening, if only to watch Lamar Jackson, and uh, definitely will gravy train the correct pronunciation of Nagy or Nagy's last name. So the Bears have Allen Robinson off the ACL. Uh, they get the Falcons trick Taylor Gabriel in free agency. Those are Trubisky's one and two receivers. A little dicey, but uh, we can roll with it. I like Jordan Howard, but then again, why wouldn't I like Jordan Howard working with the Minnesota Vikings? 
He has his best games, period, against the Minnesota Vikings. Go ahead and take a look at Jordan Howard's game logs. <laughs> it's like decent, 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 HOF, oh wait, he played us. Decent, 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 bad, good, bad, good, HOF, oh wait, he played us. Oh, wait a second. That's right. Not only did they get Trey Burton uh, via free agency, now Trey, according to NFL Insiders, is on the comp. This is a, a very athletically gifted tight end who some say was dramatically underutilized by the Super Bowl champions. He got $8 million a year to prove that he was highly underutilized and even more highly uh, athletically gifted. We'll see. But they got my guy, my guy from the draft, Memphis speedster Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller, that wide receiver from Memphis that I loved. Okay, so Trubisky definitely has some better weapons than he had last year. He has Nagy Nagy, who comes from the Andy Reid tree, which offers diversification with the offense, and they'll even stretch the field ever so often. So I guess the question is, and people are welcome to email if they want a booth at KFAN.com in the Bradshaw and Brian inbox, do we think it is absurd for there to be a headline anywhere that predicts Mitchell Trubisky as the, not part of, the NFL's breakout sophomore. I think it's absolutely preposterous, PA. Uh, the analysis in the article and the things that, that were mentioned, uh, it's not an indictment of, of Farrar's writing or his, his analysis, his expertise, any of that, but it's still preposterous under the pretense that think about some of the rookies that came out last year. Whether it's Kareem Hunt, it's uh, it's Camara uh, in New Orleans. We saw a heavy dose of him. So, but they don't need breakouts. They broke out. Yeah, but that but that's part of the problem, though. Is is so Dalvin? You know, if he has a fantastic 2018, you'd say, well, I mean, the guy tore his ACL. He returned from industry. You know, he is a breakout sophomore. But the polarization of just being bad your rookie season and now you're a superstar. I mean. For him to, it doesn't matter the weapons around him, the the level and the mountain that he has to climb in terms of improvement, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely preposterous. Maybe he has a, a better year. Maybe it's significantly better. But unless we're talking about him playing in January, uh, breakout sophomore, you know, it's just it's kind of a yawner for me, PA. I mean, what uh, what Goff did a year ago, you know, post-Fisher, after getting Jeff Fisher, I think, you know, that was what some would say unexpected and, and such, that would be a breakout sophomore example. Uh, but but I just don't see him replicating something to that degree uh, in 2018 for the Bears. I think it's ridiculous. See, with Trubisky, though, the confidence he will gain off winning the first game of the season hmm. at Lambeau. That's a point. Yeah. I mean, the world's going to get a chance to see it. It's a 720 and it's the it's the first Sunday night football game of the season. So watch NFL's breakout sophomore run roughshod <laughs> on the overmatched green and gold defense and they start 1 and 0. That holy cow. The uh the National Football League by the way is on the Bears jock early in the season. Sunday night football on the 9th. And then they come back eight days later, and they're on Monday Night Football hosting the Seattle Super Chickens. So let's see. You have the Chickens, then they're at Bradford, then they have the Bucks at home, and then they get a bye. 
Bucks at home feels like a win. At Arizona feels like an L. Seattle at home, that's going to be a meat grinder. It's dicey, and of course, they'll win at uh, Lambeau Field. Bears 3-1 and one into the bye. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness on an old 3-1 and one into the bye with NFL's breakout sophomore? What about Fitzpatrick with the Bucks coming up and getting that victory at Soldier Field Week 2, though? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, um, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if I'm a Bears fan at Soldier Field and I'm heading into a game, I look at Ryan Fitzpatrick run out of that tunnel and I'm like, holy cow. What have we gotten ourselves into today? It's there Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hey, Ryan's fit, Ryan Fitzpatrick can win in short doses. Yeah. And it's clear that Roquan Smith isn't going to be available until like week eight because they're doing the Joey Bosa bit with him contractually. Yeah. Uh, so Nagy Nagy uh, has to figure that out before they, uh, before they get on the field at all. Uh, I still think it's ridiculous. I mean, to add, he can have a, a sure, you know, beauty in the eye of the beholder breakout mm-hmm. sophomore year. But unless we're talking, again, if his team's making the playoffs, which they will not, uh, then there's there's nothing to talk about. You know, Kamara getting better. Dalvin Cook having 16-game season under his belt. Right. Uh, that's the type of breakout sophomore season. Uh, he's going to be limping his way through 2018. Mitchell Trubisky is. And uh, maybe they're better. You know, but it looks like they'll most likely be better defensively than they are offensively, and, and they'll get out uh, middle of the pack, bottom of the division. 9.32, this is 9 to noon. You're listening to P.A. The King in the North! The King in the North! On the Fan. To noon. People get ready as a train Glenn Perkins, 35 you minutes from now. No Bo hunting Burnsy in studio at 1055 on Sky Yuma Inc. Two hours from now, Roto World stud Evan Silva on the Vikings and fantasy football and fantasy football in general. It's Paul Allen on a Thursday from the Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios, Nordo. This is a good find, by the way. Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions. It's not a sinkhole selection, but... Oh, sure it is. Oh, it is? Well, it's not a sinkhole selection that I would enjoy at 1240 on a nondescript Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. But it's definitely an old-school Curtis Mayfield song that I would listen to when I want to listen to music to relax. It's called mm. People Get Ready with Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions. Oof. Curtis Mayfield. Uh, newbies, Curtis Mayfield gave us Superfly. He gave us Move On Up. He gave us Freddy's Dead. And he gave us this one. There ain't no room it's called People Get Ready. I dig it. So bear with me on this, PA, and there's there's no special holiday associated with this or anything, but yesterday afternoon, um, I was reading something, and this guy named Kenny Washington yeah. pops up. Kenny Washington, though. Kenny Washington. I think I bring him to Wolves games with Jimmy Knutson and Derek. Oh, wait, that's Kenny Farr. <laughs> K. Farr from BP. Yeah, that's K. Farr. But uh, Kenny Washington was the first black athlete to sign a contract with the National Football League 
in the modern era, which really? would be post-World War II. Right. And there's a connection to Jackie Robinson that I'll get into in a moment. So yeah. I just it's the rabbit hole of the internet. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Everyone talks about Jackie Robinson, yeah. Major League Baseball, and what the process was of breaking down color barriers yeah. uh in, in again, you know, separating from what they called the Negro Leagues to to Major League Baseball as it is today. I'm like, well, what's up with the NFL? What's up with Kenny Washington? So rabbit hole of internet yesterday. Um, I wanted to find out who the first uh, non-white or black uh, professional football players were. Mm-hmm. So, uh, bear with me on this, and I just—it's very interesting how this this thing all came about. So, do you know who? Um, just quickly as an aside, yes. Do you, do you in in an in the most white professional sport of all of them, of of the core four, which is the most white professional sport? Well, it's hockey by ten miles. Not even close. Yeah. Do you know who the first black man to play in the NHL was? No. Willie O'Ree. On January 18th, 1958, playing for the Boston Bruins against the Montreal Canadiens, Willie O'Ree became the first black person to play in the NHL, an extraordinary event that paved the way for future players of diverse ethnic and economic backgrounds. Can I get a witness? Yeah. And a raucous round of applause for Willie oh, yeah. O'Ree. What's up, Willie? Yeah. Willie all of a sudden's my main man. Let's go. Anyway. Well, and, and similarly in that same vein. So early days of NFL, the American Football League, uh, the All-America Football Conference, things of that nature. And this being the American Professional Football Association. Yeah. A gentleman by the name of Charles Follis is believed to be the the first black professional football player of any of them. He played for the Shelby Steamfitters from 1902 to 1906. Um, And from its inception in 1920, various leagues, uh, including the American Professional Football Association, very few black players, including a total of nine that suited up for NFL teams, between 1920 and 1926. And obviously not because of lack of ability or lack of desire to play professional sports. It was lack of opportunity due to blatant racism. Clear bigotry, racism, yeah. you know, picking the white guy first. Right. Um, and then after 1926, all five remaining black players that were in the subsequential National Football League, they left. Either they were kicked out because of racism and other things, or they were tired of you know having to deal with climbing the mountain to, to join the team and such, so they leave. Now, in 1934, mm-hmm. uh, this is the last year of integration between the NFL, uh, whites and blacks, pl- black players, uh, where the final two, Joe Lillard and Ray Kemp, uh, both left. And Down according to lane we go. And according to this article. It's because of a gentleman, George Preston Marshall. Uh, he came into the league in 1932. I think he played bass for Curtis Mayfield in the Impressions. It's unlikely because George Preston Marshall sounds like an awful human being. He openly refused Ooh. to have black athletes on his Boston Braves, Washington Redskins team. Okay, he's diseased. And he pressured the rest of the league to follow suit. So starting in like 1934, yeah. black players were absolutely just banned. You weren't coming into the league. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. We're not going to deal with it. Yeah. So all the early the the uh, the Charles Follis types that you know were were getting the racism out of the way. We'll throw it behind us. We'll let it go. Yeah. I just want to play the sport. 
Those guys were all gone because they just blatantly banned them from the bleeping league. And around that time, Branch Rickey started to have a vision with Major League Baseball. Branch Rickey. Yeah. He is the president of the Brooklyn Dodgers. I think he wasn't. And uh, that's where Kenny Washington comes in, PA. Because really? in 1939, the University of California, Los Angeles, yeah. happened to uh, recruit. Not that tough. I believe he was born in L.A. Father was a former football player, was with the LAPD. Uh-huh. His son, Kenny Washington. Kenny Washington, born in L.A., goes to UCLA and becomes one of the best college football players in college history, accruing nearly 9,600 rushing yards during his time with the Bruins. Good for UCLA in the land of opportunity. He played in a college all-star game in 1940. George Hallis. We were just talking about the Chicago Bears. Yeah, Papa Bear Hallis to Cater Staley's. He begged Kenny Washington not to return uh, to uh, to Los Angeles because he wanted him to sign a contract with the Bears. Wow. Now, at the time, this is 1940. This is a brilliant history uh, lesson that you're giving me right now. Well done. The league would not let Hallis sign a contract with Kenny Washington because he was black, because the league were a-holes. Yep. And so he returns to Los Angeles, no contract. Now he's in the now he's in the Pacific Coast League. He's playing for the Bears, but they're the Hollywood Bears. Yeah, PCL though. And then he was event he was going to go into the military, but suffered a nasty injury on the football field, kept him from actually serving time uh, overseas during World War II. Right. Although he eventually uh, chose to go overseas as part of a USO tour yeah. and became a sports ambassador. This is Kenny Washington again that we're talking about. Might have gotten lucky with that injury. He could have been on that plane with Louis Zamperini. <laughs> that is very true. Been part of that book, Unbroken. So as a tailback again, nearly 10,000 yards rushing in his career. Hallis can't sign him. He goes, and he's actually a member of the LAPD, by the way. Okay. This is very cool. <laughs> um, when the Cleveland Rams moved to Los Angeles, the team sought to play the publicly owned L.A. Coliseum. Have you yeah. ever heard of it? And uh, it created immediate pressure that the team out in L.A., if you're going to bring these Cleveland Rams here, you want to play at our Coliseum, yeah. guess what, guys? You have to start integrating your team. We're yeah. tired of the racism. We're tired of this. And uh, black taxpayers yep. pay for that Coliseum. If they want to see black players yep. play, why not play with one of the most popular black athletes in the Los Angeles area? Team undoubtedly not owned by Fuzzy Zeller. Probably. (laughs) On March 21st, Mm -hmm. 1946, the Los Angeles Rams signed Kenny Washington. Tailback. Out of University of California, Los Angeles. Yeah. Now, here's where the L's come in for him, because prior to his first NFL season, He does undergo surgery in both knees, his fifth surgery overall. Uh, He contracted rickets when he was hit by a car as a child, so he had numerous issues uh, with his legs, torn cartilage removed from his knee. He played for the Rams for three years. Uh, His injuries had taken their toll, but he was still able to lead the league in yards per carry in his second season. Even scored a 92-yard touchdown, which remains the Rams' team record for the longest run from scrimmage. Wow. When he retired in 1948, 80,000 people attended his final game at the Coliseum. So Kenny Washington, first black in National Football League. In post-World War II, that is correct, yes. And so the reason that Jackie Robinson is involved, not just because I was wondering, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, who was the first black player to sign a contract in the NFL? Jackie Robinson, of course, you know, breaking down the lines. Yeah. 
Jackie Robinson? Have you seen the movie 42? I have not. No. Yeah, I've watched it three. You you should watch it. Okay. It's, it's extremely well done. And from what I understand, it definitely typifies how things were for Jackie Robinson when Branch Rickey gave him the opportunity to play for the Dodgers. Jackie Robinson, Kenny Washington's teammate. Wow. At UCLA. And Jackie Robinson before UCLA, Pasadena City College. Because in the five years I was there, there might have been a Jackie Robinson statue, but there definitely were plaques yeah. all throughout old PCC. You stole my trivia question. On Colorado Boulevard. I wanted to be like, okay, it took you five years to flunk out of this two-year school. Tell me the most famous <laughs> yeah. guy that ever went to that school. Yeah. Had to be Jackie Robinson. Yeah. As a player, Kenny Washington, in the days of you know whatever the 40s version of Baseball America was, mm-hmm. Kenny Washington rated as a better baseball prospect than Jackie Robinson. This sounds like um, on some type of anniversary of Willie O'Ree, Kenny Washington, or Jackie Robinson. This sounds like some in-depth, wonderful feature like Johnny Athletic could do for The Athletic and TheAthletic.com, and it would be really good. Well, I think after uh, the various links features that he's you know pumping out there at uh, TheAthletic.com, yeah. that this should definitely, on the anniversary of one yeah. of these gentlemen, for sure. Yeah. And uh, Brooklyn Dodgers manager at the time, Leo DeRocher, yeah. I think is his name, uh, wanted to offer Washington a contract to play baseball. He was going to play for the Dodgers. Wow. Uh, but he had to go to Puerto Rico first to train. Washington stayed home, ends up playing football with the That Rams. ain't bad, though. It's the Caribbean. No, it certainly is not. And uh, you mentioned in terms of legacy and other things with, uh, with Mr. Washington, um, after retirement from football, returned to the Los Angeles PD. Uh, he worked for a whiskey distributor, was a scout as well for the Dodgers. His son, Kenny Jr., played. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Branch Rickey, president of the Dodgers. Harrison that- Ford was Branch Rickey in the movie 42. Oh, he was? It's a spectacular movie. Why am I a loser for not seeing that? No, you're not. Branch Rickey, you're president busy, of the Dodgers. Babies and clips. Credits Kenny Washington. For seeing that blacks and whites could coexist in a violent sport like the NFL yep. without disruption, and decided that Major League Baseball could be integrated as well, which is why he ultimately, uh, according to him, he he signed uh, Jackie Robinson. So Jackie Robinson breaking the color lines in baseball, yeah, and uh, of course early opportunity, very limited for black athletes in football, but it was Kenny Washington in 1946 uh, breaking the color lines officially. Uh, for the National Football League. And the mid-50s. Come on, man. Can't forget Willie O'Ree. Can't forget Willie O'Ree. Let's go, National Willie. Hockey League. Uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the history lesson. That was spectacular. Down memory lane we go. Nine to noon returns after this. You're listening to PA. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. On the fan. <laughs>
Hey, Subway wants to cater your next big game. Enter to win a delicious Subway sandwich platter. Just get to KFN.com's contest page. Hey, you know what? Off that last segment. Yeah. I mean, I'm not clicking on the MinPost.com story, uh, but I respect MinPost. And uh, Rob Kirky emailing Bradshaw Brian inbox booth at KFAN.com. Uh, appreciate you listening to 9 to Noon. Across the Great Divide, a listener in Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. You know, you mentioned um, State Fair Radio and uh, the iHeartRadio app. The um, With the free iHeartRadio app, and and I, I heard Gardzi, I've heard Gardzi, Justin Gard, producer of Bumper to Bumper, 3 to 6.30, weekdays on the fan, lay it out beautifully when he does those iHeartRadio app um, prop promotions, you know, to to direct you to the free app. Yeah. But he's dead right. I mean, it, it's Vikings football season with training camp, preseason in eight days, and um, and the regular season opener like five and a half, six weeks from now or something. But like all of the interviews yours truly and or Barrero are conducting with Everson Griffin, John Filippo, terrific Latavius Murray interview by Bump uh, earlier this week from uh, from Vikings training camp, all available via the free iHeartRadio app. It's the exclusive Vikings channel. Yep, and uh, emphasis on the word exclusive. It's the exclusive Vikings uh, channel on the free iHeartRadio app, and if you miss anything, just download that bad boy. You can get whatever you want. Off that previous segment, Rob Kirky sends an email to booth at KFAN.com. The University of Minnesota was a leader in racial integration of the NCAA FCS. And uh, Minnesota's return to uh, national prominence, ironically, in the light of benching of uh, a Reed and Bell, which I assume is Bobby Bell. Um, Sandy Stevens, first black honored as All-American at quarterback. Bobby Bell, Judge uh, Judge Dixon, uh, the great Carl Eller, uh, the great Bill Muncy, John Williams, Aaron Brown, McKinley Boston were among star African-American football players successfully recruited to the university in the 60s. Prominent individuals such as Senator Hubert Humphrey and Minneapolis Tribune writer Carl Rowan supported Coach Murray Warmath's recruiting efforts. So that kind of that that ties it together to a certain extent, decade after decade after decade. You know, you bring up Robinson and or Washington, and we get from the 30s into the 40s. Then we get new main man Willie O'Ree for the Boston Bruins in the in the middle of the 50s. And then now the University of Minnesota in the 60s. Uh, Rob Kirky, thank you very much yeah. for complimenting and amplifying our previous segment. Time now for PA's Three Downs of Sound. Aw, yeah. First down. Will you watch any HOF game this evening? Uh, I'll watch almost all of it, yeah. And and part of it is... is it's so it's so stupid, but I, I'm such a rube. I'm so excited for Vikings football to be yeah. back. Yeah, NFL the the, the HOF game is going to be cool because I want to see Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I want to see him get a ton of reps tonight. I'm just excited to see what he does uh, for those guys out in Baltimore. Uh, but it's pro football on some level. Okay, it's not January. It's not yeah. the Super Bowl. I get it, but of course I'm going to watch almost all that thing tonight. Bears fans have to be super excited to see Roquas Smith. 
Well, well they, that's the problem. They get to see Anthony Miller, the speedster out of the slot from Memphis, and he may be a handful for defensive coordinator. Yeah, and Vikings fans like us that may have uh, listened to you 9 to noon and been like, this Anthony Miller cat, let me look at some YouTube highlights. Yeah, I liked him. Uh, we got excited about him, and he got taken by the Bears. Yeah. Uh, let's start with this. First down. Three downs of NFL-related sound, mm-hmm. beginning with, uh, well, something that happened in our stadium. And the gun. Lemon to his run. Now lines up behind Foles. Foles. Moves to the right. It goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick Foles. And it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. 94 WIP. It's, it's the famous Philly special as part of Super Bowl 52 at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. The Philadelphia Eagles victorious yeah. over the Patriots. And uh, and now they are hoisting trophies, and uh, they're reminding Vikings fans about it on social media as often as humanly possible. God bless them. Maybe we would do the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, I see that 38-7 every so often when I'm chatting Vikings football. Whew. Some rube who undoubtedly follows me, or, or I have no idea how it pops up. But, like, I can just seriously say something nondescript about the Minnesota Vikings. Exactly. And three times a week, 38-7. Crickets. Uh, so I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles in 2018, PA, and my question to you is simply this. Is it possible that the Philadelphia Eagles not make the playoffs? Now, I run through a couple of things here, and you take it away, okay? Yeah. Um, the 2015 Broncos, they win Super Bowl 50. Okay. They go 9-7 and seven the next season. They got that defense, but they've had quarterback issues post-Peyton Man, and we know that. Yeah. The 2012 Ravens, Matt Burke retires. The team completely collapses. They go nine, or excuse me, eight and eight in the 2013 season. You have the 2011 Giants who upset the Patriots in the Super Bowl for the second time. Eli Manning and company go nine and seven the following year. And then the 08 Steelers over the Cardinals. Big Ben with his second uh, title. They go nine and seven in 09. So four teams in the last decade have won a Super Bowl and not been able to make the playoffs the next year. You look at personnel changes, things, your thoughts on the Philadelphia Eagles. Is it possible they're not in the postseason, PA? Feels like uh, a 12 or 13 win operation, um, and I would make it 5% or less the team is not in the postseason. And when it comes to winning the NFC East, I do firmly believe Mr. Shermer's Giants are going to improve under new leadership. And uh, with the addition of Saquon Barkley, uh, from what I understand, Nate Solder is also performing well in training camp uh, as their left tackle. But Saquon Barkley, I mean, it's 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 lemming-like, but if he does not win Offensive Rookie of the Year, honestly, I will be surprised. Uh, your Eagles, Merrill Reese's Eagles, begin at home against Atlanta, feels like a W, at Tampa, 2-0, at home against Indy, 3-0, at Tennessee, That'll be a meat grinder. Tennessee is my sneaky pick to win the AFC South. And maybe it's not super sneaky because like the the AFC South is not the greatest presentation in the history of the NFL. But the Jags are in it, and so is Deshaun Watson. Uh, Tennessee Titans are going to be better than people think this year. So Philly's going to get off to a dynamite start. You know, I, I just I don't think Dallas is that great. I think Washington runs last in the division. Um, feels like a split with Shermer's Giants, so 5% or less. The Eagles flat miss the postseason. Jeez. Because one thing with these Eagles, remember, they lost their starting quarterback and won the Super Bowl. 
They lost their left tackle and won the Super Bowl. I mean, this team loses Torrey Smith to Norv and replaces him with equally fast Mike Wallace. Okay, but they they spent the entire season, or at least the second half of it, into the playoffs, through the playoffs, we're the underdogs. No one cares about it. It's that, it's that mentality of us against the world, backs against the wall. Now they come into 2018 yeah. as favorites, really. Yeah. They're hoisting the trophy. They got to the promised land. Yeah. And now they got to get up for that again. They don't have LeGarrette Blunt. They don't have Patrick Robinson, who had the pick six on case. Yeah. You know, Bo Allen, uh, Trey Burton in Chicago, Michael Kendricks, who knows? Vinnie Curry gets $23 million from the Bucks. Okay. I mean, they shed some serious talent. Yeah. They have a new OC. They have a new quarterbacks coach. Uh, for them to get up and do it again, they're going to have problems, PA. Yeah, I, I, I staunchly disagree. I mean, Doug Peterson runs the offense. Okay. So God bless Frank Reich and John DiPolippo, but it's Doug Peterson's presentation. With Mike, with not having Michael Kendricks and Vinnie Curry, I just named some of their departures. How do you say that with a straight face? <laughs> okay, now losing Trey Burton is not going to help. So who do they replace him with? Dallas Goddard from yeah. South Dakota State University. Who, by figured the, that out. Who, by the way, is going to be the bomb. Okay, Smith out, Wallace in. They still have Zach Ertz. I like Jay Ajayi more than I like LeGarrette Blunt. Wentz is back. <laughs> I mean, it's... The, they got Haloti Nata. They, 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 still, they still have Brandon Graham. Now, he's, he's battling through an injury, but he'll eventually be fine defensive end and slide him into three technique on a super special nickel downs. You know, they, they have one of your favorite defensive tackles in the NFL, uh, the guy Fletcher Cox. I mean, he's so good that they you have to have four hands on Cox. He requires a double team. Basically, every play he's in there. Yeah. And safeties, I mean... I always love that one. Yeah, the, the Eagles 5% or less yeah. uh, to not just flat... You phrased it, not make the playoffs. I mean... Sucker may fall off to ten and six, eleven and five ish, but uh yeah, Eagles are in the playoffs. Come on. Okay. Second down. Mayfield from the pocket. Still got it. Flips it for the end zone. Touchdown! Dimitri Flowers. How could a man named Flowers not make an impact in the Rose Bowl? ESPN, that's Baker Mayfield tying things up in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. What a game that was. Uh, Oklahoma on the losing side of that, unfortunately. Here's my question to you. Yeah. First veteran QB to get clipped by the young gun, by the rookie. So you have Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo trying to continue his career with Baker Mayfield. No, in Cleveland. In Cleveland, excuse me. Yeah, Taylor, Cleveland into Mayfield. Yes. A.J. McCarron in Buffalo with Josh Allen behind him. Yep. Josh McCown with the Jets. Sam Darnold just signed. Yep. Sam Bradford in Arizona. Sammy Sleeves with Josh Rosen, who says that the nine picks before him are going to feel like they made the biggest mistakes of their lifetimes. Yeah. And then Joe Flacco in Baltimore with the aforementioned Lamar Jackson. Mm. That's a great question. Who gets clipped first? I think Brad, I put Bradford on a big year with Arizona, so I think Allen stays at arm. Uh, Rosen stays at arm's distance longer than people think. Mayfield over Tyrod out of the gate could happen, but probably won't. Darnold is getting in a little late, and you can win games with McCown. Then um, I don't think Josh Allen is remotely close to starting games in the NFL. It's my opinion. 
Uh, so I think AJ holds him off for quite some time. Wow. That's a wonderful question. I'm going to say Baker Mayfield usurping Tyrod Taylor. That's my first choice. Darnold usurping McCown would be my second choice. What about you? Uh, I have it the exact same way. Of course you do. And it's not because Bradford's going to have a great year. but no, it's I think, because I said it. But I think it's because Rose, Rosen needs time. As right. with Lamar Jackson, yeah. who we'll get to see tonight. Uh-huh. Um, Josh Allen, I've actually, from what I've heard and read, I'm not out there in Buffalo yeah. listening to WGR 550, <laughs> uh, but I've heard that Josh Allen is actually pretty good. Uh, you're hearing and, inaccurately. Uh, the um, the serious NFL radio does um, training camp tours. Uh, yours truly happens to listen to them because uh, elite intel is there to be found. Right. And um, I heard a very pertinent Buffalo Bills-related interview the other day saying, Josh Allen, uh, ar- the arm strength is fantastic. Everybody can see the arm talent on display. When it comes to getting those around him squared away with pass protection and oh. handling the complexities of what comes at you from a defense. Okay. Uh, we still got a little ways to go with old Josh Allen. Uh, I still feel like it's Mayfield, and it's not just because you said it. That's because I said it. Yeah. <laughs> Third down. Uh, let's hear from co-Vikings offensive line coach. On a serious note, for a second, Andrew Ginoco, co-offensive line coach of the Minnesota Vikings, talking about losing Tony Sperano. Uh, you know, it's been a rough week, and... You know, Tony was a, a good friend of mine, a great mentor, a great person. You know, uh, been close with his family. Uh, it's been a tough week, but it's also been uh, it's been a week to, to celebrate him. He was a great man, and obviously, I send my prayers out to his family: Jeanette, Andy, Ryan, and Tony Jr. That's for Monday, nine to noon, when we did our patented drive-by interviews, and you got the chance to talk with Andrew and. You know, down the road, we'll actually talk probably more football and things with him, but it felt fitting to get his thoughts on Tony Sperano. The reason I play that audio, though, is because Tony Sperano plays into the conversation of what the state of the Vikings offensive line is going to look like, even as, you know, not necessarily week one as much as, like, what's up with, like, Saturday night when they do the big scrimmage and such? You know, yeah. Remmerd's getting nicked up the other day. Yeah. Uh, Elfline's still in the pup, so Easton's in there. I've seen uh, at center, and then I've seen Tom Compton. Yeah. Taking first-team snaps at left guard and yeah. Rashad and these guys. Give me uh, the state of the O-line into uh, Saturday yeah. night. It's um, it's dicey right now, and it's dicey into the Broncos' preseason game in nine days. I'm tripping right now, man. I keep saying the, that the game is eight days away. I'm feeling like today's a Friday football feast. Why? Because we had racing last evening at Canterbury, and that Wednesday felt like a Thursday, which subsequently means Thursday now feels like a Friday. So let's reset. What a great story that was. Isn't that exciting? So the Vikings play the Broncos a week from Saturday. Um, and Vikings general manager Rick Spielman is on 9 to noon tomorrow with yours truly and Nacho Lieber, the Nacho Ma'am, uh, for a couple of segments at 9.55. And I do want to discuss in depth the state of this offensive line, the Minnesota Moving Company, because I was there when uh, Remmers got rolled up on in um, in goal line situations, and he was limping conspicuously. Uh, honestly, I'd be surprised if he plays in that Broncos game. Uh, they didn't practice yesterday, but when I was there Monday and Tuesday, no Rashad Hill. Brian O'Neill, by the way, capitalizing on opportunity. The, this time of the year is about opportunity. So, you know, one, uh, 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 how does the bit go? Uh, one man's garbage is another man's goal. 
So with O'Neal, I'm not sure he is ready to start National Football League games, but he's the guy right now. Elfline, I watch him working out all the time. He's done absolutely nothing from a football standpoint this offseason, and that needs to turn around relatively soon to gain cohesiveness with the new starting quarterback. The, the It's the battery, man. It's it's the center and the quarterback, and that thing needs to get cohesive. So, yes, there, there are fair questions and myriad questions involving this offensive line into the Saturday night scrimmage at the stadium at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. Then we have a game against the Denver Broncos in nine days from today. Of course, uh, you can hear it at FM 100.3 The Fan and watch it via simulcast on Fox 9. To baseball with uh, former stud reliever Glenn Perkins joining 9 to noon next. You're listening to PA. When Muhammad Ali was down, did you count him out? When Jiminy Cricket was down, did you count him out? This is the game, Doug! Woo! On the fan. Whiting LASIK and I Care Hotline, we have a left-hander who was an all-star and amassed 120 saves during his career. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Facebook Live's Glenn Perkins joining us now. Glenn, it's Paul Allen. How have you been? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you. It's August, man. You know, we're just getting through it. How um how was the old Facebook Live broadcast of the Twins game yesterday, Mr. Perkins? It was fun. You know, I mean, that's I've done a little bit of radio here and there and uh, to, to get on and, and just be able to talk baseball and to be able to do it with a team, obviously, that I know well uh, and, and a team that I've played against and guys that I've, that I've seen. And I had a blast. I mean, I really did. It was it was the first time, and, and uh, hopefully I'll get more opportunities as we move forward. So are we sensing a new career for crafty Glenn Perkins? Not necessarily with Facebook Live, but maybe Facebook Live, but who knows? Uh, radio and or TV broadcasting. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's always been kind of a passion of mine. And, and like I said, just to be able to sit and talk baseball. Uh, that format w- was cool. Uh, no commercial breaks. So we were able to carry thoughts into breaks and, and not have to cut and then come back and just talk about the next inning. We could carry thoughts on. And, uh, you know, being on there, Jody Garrett and, and Scott Brown, I thought they did a great job. And, and we just had, we had fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that I think moving forward, uh, you, you know, Twins fans might get to hear a little more of me. I hope for that's a good thing. So I see what you're doing here, Glenn. I mean, you uh, you watch Twins games on Fox Sports North, and you're like, okay, Burt does all of these HOF things to make some cash. We got uh, we got Latroy, we got Tory, we got Justin, we got Smalley. What about me? Let let uh, let the old All Star slide in there. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know how that'll work out down the road. There's a lot of guys, and they're actually doing really well. I, I texted Morty. I watched the game on uh, that would have been Tuesday. Him and yeah. Tory did, and uh, I texted Morty. I was impressed because I hadn't watched a whole lot. And, yeah. uh you know, I, I love him and Tory's banter, and, and I just I thought Morty did a great job. I mean, gotten more comfortable as he's gone along and yep. i think that's part of it as you know that, that the more you do the more comfortable you get and uh 
it can be a lot of fun. Glenn, with uh, with analysts like Justin Morneau, Tory Hunter to a certain extent, and I think Tory brings a real light, airy approach to the analytical game and the way you do it. The thing a sports snob like me likes most is you guys talking about pitching related situations and what makes most sense from 01 to 11 to 21 to 22 in the count you know and knowing what the pitcher does well with his past performances it just that whole thing fascinates me man yeah i mean that's what that's what being a you know a former player and especially i think one in the, in the case of Tori a little bit more no in my hear that that we're so fresh out of the game that that I can recall, hey, you know, even when I face maybe this guy, this is how I attack him. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just, those are things. I thought the interview I did with Gibby yesterday uh, was a lot of fun. And to be able to talk with him, because I had a big part of, of, of getting him from kind of where he was to where he's at now. And, uh, you know, I, I worked with him and tried to get that into his head about pitching and about attacking and things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, you just you get to bring that in and, and uh, you know, there's more than just, hey, I want to throw a first pitch down and away here, and then I'm going to do this. That you're seeing how guys are reacting, and then uh, you know, being able to tell fans that stuff, and that—that's what I enjoyed so much yesterday. Is just being able to kind of just BS a little bit and, and go on about about things that I've experienced and, and the stuff that I know. Glenn, uh, given the broadcast yesterday was via Facebook Live, given it's Facebook, are pictures of kids and glowing family updates required during the broadcast? You know what? I don't even have Facebook, so I honestly don't even know how it works. <laughs> I just I know I know that my dad's on there, yeah. and so I'm sure that's a lot of what gets posted. But uh, yeah. you know what? It was cool because it was fan interaction during the game, and, and so we were able to bring in questions that fans had or comments that fans had about yeah. stuff that we were talking about. And it was it was cool, you know, how, how pertinent like the trade deadline was yesterday. So, so fans were able to. To, to write in and say, hey, I thought this deal was good. I thought that, you know, I thought the Indians could have done more. You know, why did the tr- Twins trade Dozier? And so we could kind of yeah. address those things and, and kind of speak to what fans wanted to hear versus just what we wanted to talk about or what was on the top of our head. Uh, with uh, with our team, Glenn, yesterday the game you called, we uh, we struck out 12 of the 27 outs yesterday. Not good, man. No. I mean, that's, that's Carrasco, gosh. I mean, what he had going on, and we've seen it so many times with him, and he's done it really for the last few years, but the 95, 96 mile hour fastball, and he's got a break. I mean, he started off the game with Joel, throwing him a fastball down or a slider down and in that. I mean, you have no chance. And when you see Joel Mauer swing like that, you can kind of tell, like, hey, this might not go too well today. If Joel looks that bad, uh, there's a lot of guys on that team that aren't quite as talented as Joel, and, and you know, kind of foretold what was to come for that game. How about Dozier, the Dodger, last night? Don't know if you saw it or, or how much you followed up on it. He went three for four. He had an error early in the game, so Dodgers fans were probably like, this sucks, where's Logan Forsythe? Then he hits a home run, ropes a double down the left field line that fortunately for the Brewers bounces in the stands in the bottom of the eighth, or uh, the Blue Crew takes the lead. And Dozier, after his home run, Glenn, he got a standing ovation and a curtain call, one of those bits where he tipped his cap. I saw that. I mean, that's you know what he's got a he's got a penchant for like some dramatics. You know, he did 2015 before the All Star break, a couple of walk offs, and uh, good for him. I mean, he, he's a grinder, he's a battler, and, and he wants to win. I mean, we all want to win, but, but he he was so 
focused on trying to get everybody together on the same page to try to play as a team to try to win. So he's got a chance to go there and, and maybe not quite be the guy. And I think that's going to help him a little bit just to relax. And I mean, he hit a bomb last night straight away center field. Yeah. Uh, that's not gone at Target Field. Right. And uh, I think that's going to help him a little bit. He's going to get to go play at Coors. He's going to get to play at, at uh, in Arizona. And, and so I think – he might put up a pretty good second half here. And if he gets hot like he does, he always has a hot half, and, and he didn't have a first half that was, that was too good. So I think maybe uh, moving out there, having some better parks to hit in, and, and uh, it's going to give him a chance to kind of explode a little bit. And uh, good for him. I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that, that uh, he got to take his hat off and, and show his hair. And I mean, he's got L.A. hair, so it, it, he kind of fits in. Uh, baseball opinions, courtesy of my man Glenn Perkins, one of the great relievers in the history of this baseball team. 120 saves during his career, and uh, this he's on the Whiting LASIK uh, and I Care Hotline. So you know, from Dozier through Presley, and just just everybody in between. How, how do you think all of this has gone over in the clubhouse with the players? You know, I think well, with Escobar being the first one, it kind of starts the ball rolling. And that was probably for the clubhouse the toughest one because he was he was a unique guy in the clubhouse in that he was the center of a lot of like jokes and laughter and he handled it so well and, and was was able to give a little bit of it back. He played a really cool role of like like trying to be like the guy that everybody made fun of, but he was the one that instigated every little little tuffle, you know, and, and fun kind of joking joking obsession in the clubhouse. And so he, uh, I, I'm sure that that one there was kind of deflating and. and being the first one and then culminating with Dozier, kind of losing the cornerstone of the clubhouse. Um, I mean, it was 25, it was 20% of the team, five out of 25 guys and, and guys that kind of played the Portland Holes throughout the season. So I'm sure, you know, I was never part of a point of sell-off like that, even though we had worse teams than this. But, uh, I mean, it has to be tough. And that was something we talked about with Molly yesterday. I'm trying to get the guys to focus, hey, you still got two months to play. And, and selfishly, there's a little bit of, well, these guys need to play for the name on their back as well. And that's not only just to continue their career, but, but, you know, you see what happens when Escobar, we get him as kind of a throw-in for Liriano, you know, seven years ago, and now he's a guy that he's a centerpiece of a trade going somewhere else. And that's because of his hard work and him going out and playing hard. And so that's not about the teams, not only to advance their career, but to get other teams interested. And that's, and that's still something that's important for guys. And, and, you know, you want to try to win games from here on out and be a spoiler, but it's definitely not as fun as, as, Going down the stretch, having a chance to compete for a playoff spot. You, uh, you still live down by Lakeville? I do. Yes, I uh, got a, a nice little farm and uh, sweet. Been doing a little hunting and fishing, and uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of stayed away from the game for the first few months. I didn't go back into Target Field until almost June. Yeah, um, and I've kind of started to dip my toes back in a little bit. You start to miss it, but uh, definitely enjoying the summertime with the family and, and those things. But. Uh, you, you don't play baseball at the, at the level that, that I did at the, you know, in the major league for 12 years and not have it be a part of your life. So slowly get back in, but I've definitely been enjoying my time away. Well, when 9 to noon brings the Friday football feast to Buffalo Wild Wings Lakeville, uh, you certainly have an open invitation to join us. Well, I, I mean, what was it? Probably five years ago I was there. and uh, <laughs> I don't know if I brought the crowd, but there was a hell of a crowd there. So I might, I might have to do that again. Yeah, well, if we, yeah, I think we went on a three-game winning streak, so I'm, I'm going to pin that whole good luck thing on you. Okay. There we go. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it's right before we play the Packers, huh? Hey, ma'am, uh, you're the best. Stay well. Enjoy your summer. Thanks for the opinions. Best of luck uh, with the, with advancing your broadcasting career. If there's anything I can do to help, let me know. And uh, have a wonderful day. Okay. All right. Thanks, PA. We'll talk soon.
Glenn Perkins, uh, Perkett Play on the 9 to Noon radio show. Bow hunting Burnsy, Ryan Burns, Gopher Illustrated in studio 25 minutes from now. It's um, our off-season check on Sky Ma Inc. Now, about uh, 65 minutes from now, an hour and five minutes from now, Evan Silva, uh, senior editor at Roto World, joins 9 to noon to uh, discuss Minnesota Vikings football, uh, tie the Vikings to fantasy, and also hit on some pertinent, pertinent fantasy football-related topics tomorrow. We are at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. Paul Charchi and is traveling. I think Charch went to that that Comic Con L thing. Yeah, what is Gen Con? Oh, Gen Con. I don't know. I I don't know what it is. I mean, it's. I mean, I wouldn't. Sounds put it. like when a girl named Jennifer tells you that she loves you and sideswipes you with the mailman. It's a Gen Con. Well, that sounds absolutely. Aw- that sounds. I mean, so awesome. so Charchi so Charchi out this weekend. Wait a second! You're doing fantasy football weekly Saturday. I am, yeah, because um, yeah, the the personal yeah. stuff. Yeah, how's that going to work? Uh, well, I I'm going by the fan ball offices today, so charge for wow. for for family reasons that yeah. he, that he put out on Twitter. Uh, he won't be able to attend the show. Okay, but he has written the entire show. Uh, it means so much to him that the information is Come elite. On. I'm not. I, he has written the entire show. He wrote the show and is is telling you to follow the script. Um, he has given me a script. Come on. Uh, from the five tough questions That's great. to analyzing very, every segment. It's a very important show. No, it's, it's the yeah. debut of it, 24 yeah. years. Uh, there's no doubt. And so I should uh, not tease. So I'm going by the, the fanball.com offices actually this afternoon, uh-huh. and I'm going to meet with the Fantasy Football Weekly crew. Now, Charge right. is already in Indy at the best four days in gaming, Gen Con in Indianapolis. Oh my God! Um, Ding geek cred. No, they have pictures. I mean, there's a lot of virgins in the house. I mean, there's. Oh my goodness! I wonder. No doubt about it. Gen Con and Indy. I wonder if it secretly is some like AAV, some adult video thing, <laughs> where he's going to upgrade his ball gag collection, <laughs> and he just wants to pass it off as some gaming bit. I mean. Yeah, but he's so entrepreneurial. Yeah. He would put it out there if he ever starts uh, well, you know, Monday, investing in his own adult toy line. Yeah, Monday when he was co-hosting 9 to Noon from TCO Performance Center, he was on a phone call and he kept referencing the name Mia. Yeah. So I wonder if he was setting up something with Mia Khalifa this weekend and passing it off as... As and you know now now to think about it when well it wasn't Mia Khalifa because she's having surgery after being hit in the breast area with a puck during a Washington Capitals game whoa yeah it like collapsed one of her implants oh so what he was Wait, doing though Mia Khalifa has implants yeah well that's I mean I'm I'm 12 and you just ruined Christmas yeah I'm sorry <laughs> that sucks but he was on the line with Kiera Mia yeah who took uh, Jimmy G out on a date so whoa. he's trying to get fantasy intel yeah on some some of the immeasurables, yeah. at least outside of the bedroom immeasurables, yeah. uh, that he might be able to use to uh, to flex his elite fantasy mind on the Niners. Damn, man. Yeah, when I, when, when I had to drop him off his new Viking swag from the Vikings Radio Network, graciously provided by our favorite football team with that backpack, <laughs> I knew I should have I knocked a little louder, but I like peeked in that side window by his door, and I swear on his 60-inch TV was Edward Penis Hands. I swear. Which is super inconvenient, by the way. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he went fumbling with his remote and everything and yeah. like changed it to NFL Network. All right, well, um, um, seems like it would be difficult to like 
carry a bag of groceries. Yeah. If you're Edward Peters hands. Well try well try try analyzing the upcoming season for Todd Gurley with a ball gag in your mouth. Well, no doubt about it. Or trying to navigate the home row on the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ball gags and penis hats. So, um, yeah, that's uh, TCO Performance Center tomorrow. Nacho Lieber filling in for uh, our buddy Paul Charchi, and Rick Spielman will be on the radio show tomorrow at 9.55. We'll be right back. You're listening to PA. Ben, you would know this more than PA would know. Hello. Is... <laughs> Yeah, it, the mental part of the game. Up here, it's so mental. What do you think, I'm dumb? On the fan. Soy Pablito. No tengo tiempo para Nordo. En las carreras. Gracias, mi amigo. This is Nueve to Dos. Oye, como va at 1040. Soy Pablito Conordo. And it's time for News Do Nor. After Carlos Santana breaks down the biatch, and we have a good time. Say what? Thank you. Elite chill song. Oye, como va? He's Nordo, and he's a baby on the fan. I dig that. Here's what I got for you. Yeah. We're gonna we're not gonna do news to Nord today. Uh, what I am gonna do okay. is I have audio from across the NFL. Okay. We're so focused in, and we'll be back at TCL Performance Center in Egan tomorrow. Uh-huh. General manager on. We get the connection and the access and and the interviews, and that's going to be a big part of and, and basically all of tomorrow's show. But I yeah. want to look across the NFL. I'm going to play audio. Could be a player. Could be a coach. And you simply just have to say who it is and what they're talking about. Okay. Seems simple enough. NFL? NFL Y. Got it. Training camp. We'll start with this guy. I mean, obviously, as a competitor, you want to be out there. I mean, obviously, to get my feet wet, get out there, get, get running around, uh, it was fun. It felt great. But, uh, yeah, just got just to gotta listen to what the doctors, coaches are saying. And, uh, just trust that plan. Good one. Um, I would guess Andrew Luck, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'm going to be a competitor. It feels good to get out there. Doctors. Uh, doctors. And, rehabbing. And, yep. Plant some birds and rocks and things. Holy cow. Not Deshaun Watson, because I know his voice, I think. Uh, the announcer has no idea. It is Carson Wentz, quarterback, wow. oh Philadelphia God. Eagles. NDSU Bison in the half. If you heard from Carson himself, PA, if they want to get back and have him ready week one, as of now, he's training, he's there every day, yeah. he's working out, and he's getting closer yeah. to taking back the reins of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, you still, uh, with uh, Wentz into the Super Bowl MVP as the backup, you still want to predict a precipitous fall-off for the Super Bowl champions? Because as you said, you know, they they uh, they were underdogs last year. Everybody counted them out. No, yeah. but nobody looked at uh, the talent base of the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, with that offensive line and Blunt into a Jai into Smallwood, then Smallwood's out, then it sprawls, then sprawls is out, then it's the Wisconsin kid Clement uh, with Nelson Aguilar being resurgent. You know, defensively, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. You know, uh, they're uh, they're not very good. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely understand where you were coming from. Hey, they had 30,000 people in the stands wearing dog masks. I'm going to be honest with you. 
Um, I am not mad at your splashy take that there will be. You didn't say a fall off. You said a precipitous fall off for the Philadelphia Eagles. I said that's potentially. Yeah, they're going to yeah. go seven and nine. Not, is what's going to happen? Yeah, of course they are. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not mad at that because I'm racetrack trained. And anytime somebody lays out to me cogent reasons they think <laughs> a long shot horse can win, yeah, and they bet their money on a non favorite, I got respect for that. But emphasis on the part of the equation where they lay out cogent reasons, <laughs> which I seem to miss in the Eagles. I mean, Wentz, week one Michael against... Michael Kendricks is gone. Weeks, week one... Well, Vinny Curry was good. Uh, week one against uh, Atlanta. Wow. That, that might be false. It, it might be right to have false play in that yeah. game. Uh, but uh, good for Carson. I'm a Carson Wentz fan. Uh, let's go from uh, from that guy to this guy. I'm ancient in football years, but I'm still a young, such a young person, you know. So I still have my whole life left ahead of me. So many next chapters, you know, in my life to look forward to. But man, you can only play this game for so long. Like it's just this finite amount of time. Zero chance you get this. Oh my God, was that good? You just put me on an zero and two in the double. Yeah, I'll try Adam Vinatieri. Damn it, who? Drew Brees. Quarterback New Orleans wow. Saints. That was him with Colin Coward, I believe, yesterday. That's brilliant, man. Well done. Uh, so, I mean, he's back half, backstage his last couple of years, really, of his contract. Yeah. But he's got Camara. He's got Ingram uh, in week five. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, defense trying to get better and all of that. I mean, yeah. the Saints, when you talk about the heavies of the NFC, yeah. I just hit on two of them. The, the Eagles and now yeah. Drew Brees trying to get one before he goes. Well, the NFC South. It can be argued the NFC South is the best division in football. It can be argued. I ain't necessarily saying that I'd agree with it. But uh, but Norv's Panthers, I think, are, are pretty rough and tumble. Luke Keekley, the bomb. Cam, really good. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, they they have they added Jarius Wright. I think he's going to help. Uh, Devin Funches, big season for Devin Funches. Funches was really good last year. He was a really, really tough cover. Big, strong, runs really good routes. Let's see Devin do it again. Uh, specifically with the new system. Got Greg Olson, the cane, nearing the end of his career, but he's still good. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So Carolina's good. Atlanta's good. Atlanta's good, man. Atlanta's good all the time. Saints, in in my opinion, Saints, absolute class of that division. Absolutely the best overall team in the division. Remember the draft last year where the Saints took Marshawn Lattimore they took that uh, that Florida linebacker who always gets hurt, Alex Anzalone or yep. Anzalo. But they also made a very sneaky free agent move into the 2017, and he got hurt, and it really it hamstrung them. Uh, it was former Panthers linebacker AJ Klein, and AJ Klein was Luke Keekley's backup. Oh, so yeah. you, you ain't gonna get by Luke, but AJ was good. He was good on special teams. AJ was good for the Saints, and then he got hurt. Uh, then, of course, you got uh, the the nice pass rusher from the edge, um, Jordan Cameron Jordan. So, um, yeah, the, the the New Orleans Saints are going to be really difficult to beat in that division. Uh, if anybody spotted up in Las Vegas on the Saints representing the NFC in the Super Bowl at like six, seven, eight, ten to one, I ain't mad at that wager. Not at all. Uh, what about this situation? He's just a guy that it's easy to throw to him because he's open. He is a great route savvy. He's very smart. Again, I can't say enough good things. I can't believe Green Bay let him go, but I'm glad he's here. 
Who's saying that, and uh, who's he talking about? Derek Carr, Jordy Nelson. That's right. I'm right back in it. There we go. Because that was the Daily Double. Could you ask me two questions? I'm two and two. You can keep track of your own points. Uh, With that said, Jordy Nelson in the Bay. Yeah. Derek Carr, questions about the 2017 versus the 2016 and how he gets better, how this team gets better. No Crabtree, et cetera. Disappointing year for the black and gold, but they have Jordy Nelson. Yeah, the black and silver. Black and silver. Yeah, yes. the silver and black. You're going pear shape. Who are the black and gold? Yeah. Uh, Saints. Now, uh, you know, I'm not super up to speed on the Raiders. Um, I read stuff from afar, you know, with uh, the, the, the media, the negatories are legitimately sitting back, just waiting for John Gruden to go super archaic and old school and stuff so they can mash away and get function and clickability. Well, they just did a bit on Pro Football Talk about how he was showing highlights yeah. of, like, 1965 yeah. NFL football. There it is. That's the newest one. The, fir- the first one was um, the first one was paraphrasing, I don't need analytics, just rub some whatever on the football, put on some eye black, and go out there and play the game. Yes. All right, well, the analytics group, the millennials, just freaked out and went nuts. That's cool because there's room in football for analytics. And then now the most recent one. So I'm not super up to speed on the uh, commitment to excellence, which last year was the commitment to excrement, but I will be in the very near future. How about this guy? This Oh, this is too easy. Well, we'll see how it goes with Braxton. Uh, he, he wasn't able to do a lot for us this spring. So yes! This is really our first, let's say, lengthy exposure to him in our system. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but... Patterson and Matthews and and even uh, Britt, who we didn't get until December. Those guys are way ahead of where they were last year in Britt's case or uh, earlier in the spring. Of course they were. I'd say even the same thing for Phil Dorsett. Even though he was here last year, being able to start at the beginning, he's had a real good spring too. So we'll we'll see how all those guys continue to do as we get into competition against our defense and and in the preseason games. Hey, fantasy fans, uh, Bill Belichick is uh, touting you on old Phil Dorsett with that good speed. Phil Dorsett, the former Kane. The reason I let that play out so long, but though, by the way, have you ever because heard Belichick him? Belichick sounds cool. Have you, yeah, he sounds awesome, but have you ever heard him talk for 30 straight seconds no. about anything in your life? Well, I, no. I never have. But he also gave you he gave you some tips. I mean, he didn't he didn't give any any tells, but he was like, hey, Kenny Brick got here this time, whatever, um, and now we got Cordero, we got Phil Dorsett. You know, because they won't have Edelman for the first four games, and Amendola now is with Miami. So uh, that was Bill Belichick, and that was really, really cool. Do you think Cordero's got any shot at doing anything outside of kick return? I mean, you know, as in terms of Belichick guys, Belichick's always gotten more out of people, it feels like, than anybody else. Yeah. But Cordero, I mean, we were close to him for several years. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't understand him at this stage, and if Belichick can, uh, can get yeah. something out of him. Well, Cordero is a happy-go-lucky human being uh, who never quite grasped the uh, the depths of routes, from what I understand, and just like running routes the right way. If you don't do that with Tom Brady, A, you'll never see the ball, and B, you'll never see the field, and C, you'll probably be a healthy scratch. Uh, with Josh McDaniels, I do believe that there are ways they can use Cordero Patterson and prosper from it. Problem is, is like if you put Cordero in the game and he can't run a normal route, then everybody's going to key on the tricks and the gimmicks that he does, and it's going to mess things up. So uh, that is a story that has yet to unfold. How about I'm three and two? No, you're doing you're doing incredibly well. I'm getting better. Okay, how about this? 
He had enough time to run out here and practice in his first practice. So, yeah, he'll probably have enough time to play in the preseason game. Sure, we'll see what he learns and see what he applies, and we'll go from there. That's uh, from yesterday, by wow. the way. And um, who was he talking about getting in in his first practice and okay. having an opportunity to play in a preseason game? Um, I'm going to say Todd Bowles, Sam Darnold. That's right. Well, I recognize Bowles' voice. And then when it's like, you know, first first this, first that, it had to be Darnold because of the contractual L. Uh, my my record, by the way, is uh, eerily similar to the early season of the Minnesota Vikings. I now have improved to five and two <laughs> by identifying Bowles and Darnold. I'm five and two. I took an L at Philly. I took an L at Los Angeles. I'm about ready to either head into the bye or come out of the bye, and uh, then it's going to be a house of horrors for the adversary the rest of the way. Uh, I think I got time for for another one to win a Super Bowl. And to lose a Super Bowl in the fashion that we did lose it in, like I mean, it don't it don't get no better for a person. All they do is at the end of the day is it test your character. Who's that guy? Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> That's right. Talking about <laughs> see, I'm six and two. You have to have more. So via the uninterrupted.com piece that that's pulled from video, yeah. he said that in that in that goal line play that there was a ton of confusion among his teammates in the huddle yeah. leading up to that play. Interesting well, bit probably because they were surprised. I mean, you know, to, to relive the, the Ricardo Lockett-Malcolm Butler situation, A, the Patriots had worked on that exact play coming. At, I have no idea where they got the intel. or how, I mean, it had to be off film study. But they worked an exhaustive, exhaustive amount on that exact play with Ricardo Lockett in that exact slot spot with Malcolm Butler uh, and, and his assignment, and Butler jumped the route and did it perfectly. Secondly, against that New England personnel, throwing the ball was not a bad idea. Maybe throwing it there was a bad idea, but throwing it was not a bad idea. However, when you got beast mode and you can bootleg with Russell, I mean, running the ball, if you're, if you're going to bang your hand on the table and tell me the only thing to do there was run, I wouldn't say only, but if you were to run, I could completely understand it. That was fantastic. Let's do that more often. That was a lot of fun. No problem. Uh, we segue to uh, some off-season Golden Gophers conversation. Bo Hunting Burnsy should be in studio very shortly. Uh, he's Ryan Burns from Gopher Illustrated. Into the final hour of the Thursday 9 to noon show at FM 100.3 The Fan. Good morning. You're listening to PA. Faith is uh, belief without proof. On the fan. Fortunately, it's a song 9 to Noon likes. I don't know how you cannot truly appreciate what a jam this is. I do. If I didn't, I wouldn't play it. And at least listen to it as long as you have. Oh, it's spectacular. Yeah, but I mean, they're probably your corner offices now yelling, saying, Fuck! <laughs> I think it's just we make eye contact. Yeah. I can see into your soul. And we're just looking at each other's vibing, you know? You can see into my soul. What do you see? 
Yeah, see? I just made you blush. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, the announcer just made the millennial blush. Oh, boy. Because, see, the millennials will get to a certain a certain point with, like, emotional contact, whether it's actually physical or, like, say you actually talk to somebody. Sure. But, see, then when the old schoolers come back with the actual eye contact... We don't know how to react. And Exactly. The... the <laughs> that you're blushing again. Uh, this is the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. Ryan Burns, Gopher Illustrated, gopherillustrated.com, has blushed twice, and it's not even noon. It's this song, man. It's the start of the college football season. I can't help it. I'm yeah. excited. Hey, um, fade the music and fire up Bow Hunting Burns. Good morning. At Ryan Burns, MN, on Twitter. He's a weekly guest, 9 to noon, and that is W-E-E. K-L-Y. It's not W-E-A-K-L-Y. Uh, contrary to what Nordo said early in the radio show, he just ripped yeah. the hell out of you. <laughs> yeah, that's and what I, I said. Did. He's a weekly guest beginning football season. He goes, yeah, weekly W-E-A-K-L-Y, because he's not very good. Savage from the back row there, off the top rope. Yeah, I know. Not every day you get to see that come at 6'4", 225 like that, Mr. Norquist. It's, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> wow. it's millennial radio. It's the best. Yikes. A lot of I know rights, a lot of sames. Uh, uh, a lot of GTG got to go at the end of the segment. Let's just say they called me G-T-G. It's G2G from the AOL Instant Messenger days with the away messages, the oh, MySpace. Wait a second. Have I emailed you from AOL? I think, actually, I think that is. Oh, my God. No, why, do you, is, why do you have AOL as your mail? Very good question. Oh, he and my grandparents. Very Big good AOL question. fans. My uh, grandmother is 75, and we got her to move off of that. She has, like, I think she either has Gmail or a Comcast, and you're still on AOL? His Bo backup's Hunt. a Hotmail. Bowhunter, I'm 52. Oh, I ain't yikes. that far away from grandma's age. So, um. He's still asking Jeeves. I have, um, I've had this AOL account yeah. for 20 some odd years. So, back when you've got mail, was big. That's like when when I got sucked. I'm just it's it's now I do pay. There, there's money that I pay for it, and it's like I pay the money for it. Um, and I think they do it more so because they provide news stories and like Norton antivirus. If you want that, which I don't have that, I've got a different. You, you don't need that. You're right. So I'm taking an L. Okay, in millennial speak, I'm definitely taking an L here with a with AOL. But because it bugs all the millennials, I just keep it. One question. Yeah, same. You have an iPhone, right? I know, right? When you got it, did you go to Verizon and take the learning your iPhone classes, no, not, or honey, how did that work? Honey, I'm in the AT&T family, first of all, okay? Yeah. East of the rivers, Verizon. You get to the western burbs, it's AT&T. <laughs> it's AT&T. So let's, let's, let's be straight with that, okay? Uh, so what was your question? When you got your iPhone, did you go to AT&T and go to a young associate and say, hey, can you help me learn this iPhone? You or is there a think... class that I can pay to, so you can teach okay. me? I had, to, I had to help him increase the tech size. Okay. Fully yeah. believe it. Yeah, honey, you honestly think at this stage of my career in this state <laughs> that I go to the store and to the front counter and say, excuse me, sir. Can you help me with this iPhone? <laughs> no. It's one text away to somebody who works with AT&T. They meet me halfway. They pick up my phone. They bring it back to me four hours later, and everything's exactly how I want it to be. You are and, so important. And then there's some greenbacks that get slid on the side. <laughs> That's how. You got to have, I mean, it's, it, you got you to gotta have a guy. Like with uh, with with your super special bow hunting bit in thirty eight days, sure. You probably got a guy for something, right? Forty six days, but yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, it's four six days. Four six. Winter is coming. Winter is coming, me boy. Um, but you could probably got a guy to find, uh, like with with bows. I mean, like the quivers. 
You got to have a guy to find the right <laughs> quiver, right? Yeah, or adjust the sights, adjust my draw length, or uh, the amount of wow. pounds I'm drawing back, all yeah. different kind of things. Especially yeah. with two shoulder surgeries, a little bit difficult, but we make sure we get it done. Nordo adjusted his draw length with his wife last <laughs> night, and quite honestly, it saved his marriage. It was a brilliant, brilliant move by the young producer. Late on an otherwise nondescript Wednesday night. Oh man, you're blushing again. Let's just say. When did was... you become so adorable? Have I not seen you in that long? I think it's been a few months. You're growing up right before our very ears. Uh, there was Hump Day happiness at Canterbury best. and Brooklyn yeah. Park last night. He has people with whom he probably works at Gopher Illustrated. You know the super special media contingent. Correct. Wear shoe size contest. <laughs> We've all got to be straightforward. And hey, everything. I got size seventeen shoes. You know, do you, you see? Si- the, yeah, look at the size of these sandals. You know how difficult are it is. Are you kidding me? Those are your feet. <laughs> size some seventeen. Good lord! Three quarters of the iHeartMedia sales staff just came running down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like a stampede. Going, who's that guy in there with the nice smile and the big feet? Uh, B D. Um, so um, anyway, good morning. Morning. Uh, as the um, the. The premise for, uh, or the reasoning to um, to have you in here today, um, is to just do a little kind of, as the as the millennials would say, do a low key catch up. Let's do it. Yeah, we want to do it in low key fashion. Uh, now we would love to have you back as a weekly guest, nine to noon, once uh, once Golden Gophers um, non conference play begins, which happens to be a month from today, I believe. Correct. I think we're four Thursdays away. It's New Mexico State, right? You are an elite college football mind. I'm turning you into such an elite football mind. You think you're not? You think I'm not? No, I listened to Bumper to Bumper and Guardsy talked about it yesterday when they were discussing the Urban Meyer bit. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, hey, Bo Hunting Burnsy, let's see what he's doing. Um, so we got that. Uh, Jeff Tedford of Fresno, I got that too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but with that said, uh, what's what's transpiring with PJ Flex team right now? Like, what's important right now, leading up to the life changer in a month? Trying to figure out what this offense is going to look like mm-hmm. because PJ's talked about it, and I know folks don't really want to hear it. This is a very young team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You have two quarterbacks on the entire roster now because your guy Vic Viramontes gets beat out. By Zach Anikstead, the kid from Mankato West. So did he leave because he got beat? He did. Okay. I mean, that's one of the reasons. And then he also, when he was coming out of high school, he was one of the most highly sought-after kids in the country. Jim Harbaugh wanted him to play linebacker. And so he goes to this uh, California Junior College, becomes the conference player of the year. Minnesota takes him as a quarterback, says, hey, we're going to give you a shot. He knows that he ends up getting beat up on the end of spring ball. So in his mind, he's like, I know that I've done this now at two different Division One institutions at Cal and Minnesota. The quarterback bit hasn't worked. PJ, I want to go back to this California junior college, get some tape at linebacker, yeah. and want to see what I want to do. I don't know if it's ever happened that the conference player of the year in that junior college has come back at a different position and see if he's going to try to win on that defense side of the ball. Okay. So what is the quarterback position going to look like? Because the quarterback position last year was dreadful. It was just absolutely dreadful for your gopher squad. Between Demry Croft and... Your guy Connor Rota, it just didn't it didn't go the way that Minnesota wanted it to. Right. So now you're going to have Tanner Morgan as a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. You're going to have true freshman Zach Anikstead, who all he's done the last 18 months is beat out two highly rated guys. One at IMG Academy down in Florida. Yeah, uh, Vic Viramontes during the spring. It's going to be interesting to see because Tyler Johnson needs some help. I think the biggest stat that I've taken away from kind of looking into this offense was. Quarterbacks when targeting Tyler Johnson last year, PA, seven you know, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. That's pretty good. Okay. Quarterbacks when targeting other wide receivers, not named Tyler Johnson, zero touchdowns, nine interceptions. That is an absolute dumpster Damn. fire. Yeah. 
So really, you need, brilliantly laid out, by the way. I mean, he, so Tyler Johnson just needs some help because yeah. towards the latter half of the season, he, he needs to win a pie for it. He needs to win a pie for it. He needs to stop getting double team bracketed, and he needs some help. And yeah. So when you look at these quarterbacks, I think there's some new pass catchers out there. Okay, one being Seth Green that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, I want to get um, I want to get a negative out of the way because I am Pollyanna Allen, and this is hashtag Faith Radio, and you're Bo Honey Burnsy. Mm-hmm. Um, the the news is months old, but Shannon Shannon Brooks. With that ACL, I mean, is is that a massive L? That's a tough deal. And now PJ did talk about, I think, last week that with this new NCAA redshirt rule, which for the folks who don't know what it is, any player can play up to four games in a season and maintain his redshirt. So no longer will it be if he plays one snap, and I'm thinking about David Cobb in 2014, he get one carry in the entire season in a meaningless blowout game, he can maintain his redshirt now. Because if we would have had that back in 2014 with David Cobb, yeah. David Cobb goes ends up being drafted by the Tennessee Titans, I believe. When you get one more extra year of David Cobb being your bell cow back, I mean, yeah. that's huge. And so with Shannon Brooks now, there is talk that if he's healthy, he can come back in November potentially. But Shannon Brooks, when he's on the field, is a very dynamic player. And with Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks, the two Georgia kids, there was going to be a lot on their plate this fall. Now with Rodney Smith, he's going to have a lot. I mean, I think... With what Minnesota's envisioning doing, especially trying to help Tyler Johnson, I think Rodney Smith's going to have kind of an Alvin Kamara type of passing game role. Okay. You get like four or five targets a game, kind yeah. of split him out in the slot, put yeah. him out wide, try to get him the ball in space and let him do his thing. But Shannon Brooks being out, that's a definite blow. Yeah, the, the quarterback situation forever is an A topic with football teams because it obviously is so important. Here's P.J. Fleck earlier this week about uh, his quarterbacks. I want to see consistency of winning the team on the field, off the field. Uh, this person is going to be put in, in a complete role that they never had before at this level, whether it's throwing a pass, whether it's taking a snap, whether it's leading our football team on and off the field. They're going to have a completely different role now, and I want to see how they can handle that. I know I have an idea because of the, uh, of the type of men they are, and I'm really excited about it because I know I'm inside and out. We recruited both of them. We know exactly what they're about, and we feel really good about where we're at right now. But it, but it has to be one quarterback, right? Yes. Or, I, mean, I guess it doesn't have to be because college football does it a different way in a lot of different areas. I, I just it, it brings so much uncertainty to other positions, especially on the offense, knowing that maybe some of the guys in the offense want one quarterback, the other ones want another. Again, you look at what this redshirt rule provides, I wouldn't be surprised to see either Zach Anikstead or, and or Tanner Morgan start games in the non-conference, but I think once you really get into Big Ten play, getting into the latter part, of October into early November, you have to settle on a guy yep. if both are healthy, and then you got to move forward because this is an offense that I think can be pretty good, but it needs to have efficient play from its quarterback position. Reunited with main man Ryan Burns, go for illustrated.com, uh, at Ryan Burns MN via Twitter. Now is a great time to subscribe to gophersillustrated.com. Not only for that, but uh, North Dakota State University Bison related content. It is gophersillustrated.com. Uh, we will address an awful story from college football and discuss more Gophers after this. Programming on the fan, brought to you in part by Prism Research. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to the fan more than you already do, and we appreciate all of it. But listen to the fan for Training Camp Ticket Tuesdays. Uh, first of all, it's presented by Quick Rewards by Quick Trip, which is sweet. And every Tuesday, we're giving away tickets to attend Vikings training camp in Egan at the brand new TCO Performance Center. It's beautiful. Go see it. And you can register to win tickets at KFN.com's contest page as well. So, see you at training camp. 
and thank you, Quick Trip. It's happening every time. I'm pulling up one of these sinkhole specials that you either never have heard or you're hearing for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And I look over there, you know, as Bernsey would say, very low key. And um, your your head is bouncing, your shoulders are shaking. Yeah. This is a band called Ace, and they do it like this. You see, this is the AOL of music. <laughs> It's old, and it's forever great. Yeah. It's ace, and it's called How Long. See, this kind of stuff for me. Oh, listen to this, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you got to teach Bo Hunting Burns you what that is. It's an actual band behind a lead singer after crafting a song and not, like, pushing a button and having to be, you know, just, like, completely produced. Right. It's not Skrillex. Yeah, thank you. It's not oh, Skrillex. Holy. And, and I'm not asking Jeeves. Okay, now wait. Uh, <laughs> by the way, super underrated great line by you that I clomped on. Now give it to me again. Because the lead vocalist voice is about ready to be unbelievable. Bernsey, do you love it or hate it? I can vibe with this. That's First time you've heard it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> give it to him loud, please. I'm trying to cultivate these kids. God, I love my kids. At least my surrogate ones. Let's just get through one more how long. It's August, man. Yeah. All right. One more how long, and then we'll move on. See, you love it, don't you, Tim? Dude, it's pure nostalgia for me, man. Oh, Bo Hunting Burns, he's the best, man. You bring a smile to my face. Every single time you slide into my DMs at one thirty in the morning. Every time, especially on the Snapchat between you and yeah. I. Yeah, we haven't snapped in a while. Yeah, yeah Bo, Bo Hunting Burnsy occasionally, would, would, because he has broad shoulders, he like would wake up in the morning and think of me and not have a shirt on and his hair is all mussed and he'd send me a snap. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is this? Just let you know what's <laughs> happening. Good. I mean, are we going to call you Jim Sturger? <laughs> Got to let you know what you're missing. Hey, Brett, do you think I'm Jim Sturger? You're a savage. <laughs> you are an absolute <laughs> savage. No, I'm just trying to make it difficult for you for when you roll into Gophers practice later, and they're like, hey, I heard John with PA, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait Jim's- to have this conversation with PJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Brian Hall, and um, I heard you with PA earlier, and I guess I should call you Jim Sturger. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Tyler Johnson, 677-7. That's super special. Um, what do you got? Um, Urban Meyer. Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer was placed on paid administrative leave Wednesday as the school announced it is investigating Courtney Smith's claims that several people close to the coach knew of a 2015 allegation of domestic violence against her ex-husband, former Ohio State assistant football coach Zach Smith, who was fired in July. Um, I, I've... Read, I've, I've gone through the entire story. Sure. I listened to Barrero and Glenn Mason talk about it extensively yesterday. Spec, I, I highly would recommend podcasting that and uh, the Robert Smith interview from a Bumper to Bumper yesterday. Um, it's it's an awful, awful story full of a lot of hearsay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to ask you your opinion on like where you think this goes or whatever. 
I'm simply going to ask you this, and I can't remember the guy's name. However, while Urban is on administrative leave, they need a head coach. And the guy they're going to use, what's his name? I believe it's Ryan Day. Thank you. But not Greg Schiano, mm-hmm. who has head coaching experience. Interesting, ain't it? Right. That was like, and I'm certainly not downplaying the the alleged domestic violence and the texting and what's going to happen with Urban Meyer's wife and lies and truths and the whole I'm not at all. However, when I did hear who the fill-in head coach is going to be, I was like, isn't Greg Schiano on that staff? Now, Greg can be a little abrasive. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, he has head coaching experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so does this surprise you at all? It does to an extent. I mean, when you look at Ohio State and where they're likely we're projecting to go in terms of in the top five, top ten of college football this year, mm-hmm. I mean, in my eyes, from what I've done and kind of looking around college football, you know, the Pac-12, SEC, different teams, yeah. I definitely thought Ohio State was a college football playoff contender. I, in my opinion, it is Ohio State yeah. and it is Wisconsin, and those are the t- clear top two teams in the yeah. Big Ten. Now you throw this head, you know, this whole debacle with Urban Meyer into the equation. How yeah. do these kids respond? And like you said, you would think that you would want to go with the Greg Schiano. Yeah. He's got the experience, and instead, I believe it, I believe his name is Ryan Day. I think he's yeah. the offensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, is this kind of I shouldn't say payback, but for lack of a better word, for him almost going to the Patriots last year? If you remember, Greg Schiano almost went to the Patriots. Whoa, um, you're was, an elite football mind. You know, Minnesota defensive coordinator Rob Smith was also rumored to potentially be going with Greg. I mean, there is the. Minnesota, there's your Minnesota connection. Is yeah. I know the PJ Fleck, Rob Smith, big Greg Schiano guys, back to the Tampa Bay days, back to the Rutgers days. So what are you saying? You're, you're telling me Bill Belichick almost plucked a member of the Golden Gophers coaching staff? If this entire deal would have went down with Greg Schiano going to the Patriots, oh. there was rumors that Rob Smith would have followed him. Okay. Now, things fell through, I believe, close to signing day last year. Mm-hmm. Greg ended up staying with Ohio State, so Rob Smith ended up staying with Minnesota. Got it. So, again... I don't know if that's the deal, but again, this whole deal with Urban Meyer, um, especially with the similar kind of situation he was in in 2009 in Florida where he did go report it um, to the athletic director, and I'm not entirely sure why I didn't do that in 2015, but again, this is just a very unfortunate situation for everybody in Columbus, and it's definitely a black eye. Juice box? Well, the Shiano thing all blew up when he had the Tennessee job, and it was the social media blow-up about his ties formerly to Penn State, Mm -hmm. and he ultimately had to back out. It was almost like a Twitter campaign from hell uh, for Shiano, who I'm sure, since being with Penn State, has done whatever he could personally, professionally, and otherwise to separate himself. But he got killed on Twitter and had to back out. I think it'd be tough if you're putting... Urban Meyer with these allegations on administrative leave to then elevate a guy that just spent a summer trying to deal with that, right? Absolutely. And I mean, to to that point, I mean, everybody in that Tennessee football coaching search on Twitter just destroyed every single Tennessee potential head coach that they had. I mean, Mike Leach from Washington State was, I mean, there were so many different names rumored to go to Tennessee and they actually have it being Greg Schiano. He's going to take the Tennessee job. And I've never seen this before. And I mean, maybe it's this day and age with the millennials on social media. But in 2018, Greg Shiano was literally not hired because the fan base on social media had this gigantic uprising against it. It got all the way to the athletic director and and just different things happened. So again, maybe that absolutely plays a, you know, probably thinking it through. It probably does play a point, especially with this black eye that Evan Meyer has not exactly going to Greg Shiano who had a kind of different kind of set of allegations at Penn State, but it is just, yep. it is not a good time to be a 
Ohio State football fan. Uh, Ryan Burns, at Ryan Burns MN via Twitter, GopherIllustrated, GopherIllustrated.com. If people want to sign up for uh, for GopherIllustrated.com today, is there some type of sale? There absolutely is. It's the biggest sale we're going to have all season. What is it? So it's four free months. So it gets you all the way through bowl season, gets you through the first National Signing Day. So it is nine ninety five. Um, for the latest and greatest in all go for football recruiting. Just $9.95. That's all it is. It is. What are you, are you missing the three in front of the first nine? That's literally one adult beverage if I'm up out and out in, out in uptown somewhere trying to enjoy a nice night. Well, unless you're at Canterbury and then you can get two for that price. But anyway, go ahead. Well, if it's on the rail, probably. But go for illustrated.com, right? So just for today. What's well, on the rail? You know what a rail drink is? No. He just meant of the of the lower end. If he if he's like a vodka tonic guy, yeah. he might go with a with a lower end vodka versus like a like a gray goose or a kettle one. Gray goose, kettle one, those are high end vodkas. You'll I mean, have to pay more for one of those drinks okay, than you so guys. What's low end vodka? I mean Burnsy, I don't Karkov? Drink. Yeah, Karkov? I, yeah, I don't Phillips. A, a I don't drink because I don't enjoy it. It's it's I just don't enjoy the taste and I don't really enjoy the buzz that much either. I don't like to use lower end though. I'd like to say just that they're more affordable or economical. What are they? Uh the Phillips vodkas, oh, the Karkovs, well, Wolf Creek. There Creeks. goes the Karkov endorsement you were gonna get. Correct. Yeah. Great. Well it's it's very affordable and economical. Garbage. That's cool, man. Justin Miser had a two year Karkov vodka endorsement for you. With three live reads a week at about two grand a month, and now it's dead. Well, I've been looking for a new social essential. Yeah. So. See? You just blew it. Maybe it's stolen. Unless Grey Goose comes through. Maybe it's Smirnoff. Um, GoForIllustrated.com. Take advantage of that special today. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. Back to Ohio State for a second, and I can't remember the guy's name, but you're an elite football mind. Ryan Day. I'm not, no. I'm not an elite college football mind. So I'm in Las Vegas three weeks to a month ago or whatever, and... You know, I'm I'm becoming I'm becoming friends with Brent Musburger, where we all know Uncle Brent, but I actually met him there like three months ago. We've stayed in touch, and then I went to see him again, um, and chatted with him at um, at South. You you do know who Brent Musburger is, don't you? Oh, absolutely. This is for all the Tostitos. Okay, that was a college football reference. Okay. Or for the millennials, you, I believe he was the same in the Alabama game where he started really complimenting the quarterback's girlfriend in the crowd. Yeah, Catherine Webb. That's oh, yeah. right. There you go. Was that AJ McCarron's <laughs> that girlfriend? McCarron's gal. I believe so. <laughs> You're the best. Now, even more OG than that, though, of course, is he started Jen Sturger's career essentially, or put her on the map when he said, yeah. "And fifteen hundred red-blooded Americans just <laughs> applied to Florida State." <laughs> Full no, circle. he didn't. He did. Bo and he burns. He sent me a snap thinking I was Jim Jim Sturger. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accidental one. Hi, Jim. Uh, this is for all your Tostitos, Paul. Uh, so anyway, when I last saw Musburger, um, him thinking, for whatever the reason, I do a sports show, and, and I follow college football in cursory fashion, generally take takes from you, gravy train them, and make them my own the days that you aren't on. And I follow the Gophers that much more closely. Mm-hmm. Uncle Brent asked me a question that I could not answer. And it involved Ohio State. There is like a legendary Nevada, there's a legendary Las Vegas high school quarterback who went to Bishop O'Gorman, who is... Tate Martell is his name. Tate Martell, that's it. Mm -hmm. Well done. You're an elite football mind. And he's a backup at Ohio State with a puncher's chance. 
to like win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to happen this year. I guess he's unbelievable. Can you confirm or deny? Tate Martell was Tate one of the most Martell. it was one of the most sought after quarterbacks, I believe, in the twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen quarterback class. Okay, not the biggest guy in the world. I think he's only five foot eleven or so, but yeah. the kid can throw it a country mile. Right, and I mean, he, for what he did out there in Las Vegas, and there's a reason why he ended up at Ohio State, obviously. Yeah. So, especially as they're trying to figure out who that quarterback's going to be, yeah. and the way that. Things kind of work in that offense, especially with it, what it did with Ryan Day and Urban Meyer with how much they ran the quarterback last year. Yeah. you got to have a backup quarterback ready. But Tate Martell is a very special quarterback. Um, how excited are you for your State Fair appearance with 9 to Noon? I cannot wait. Well, it is, you live in Oakdale. so like, I live in northeast Minneapolis, me boy. What? Yeah. What happened to Oakdale? You gave up on your people. <laughs> What about uh, I live with my better half, the in... B Bighauser, the beer stube, or whatever it was called, and, uh-huh. and Dukes, and look at you like... naming all these obscure <laughs> Oakdale. Well, those are your haunts. Yeah, you used to go have uh, Mountain Dew vodka at uh, Dukes. That was your that was your jam, Mountain wasn't it? Dew and vodka. Yeah, of Yikes. course it was Kharkov. Yeah, you support Nordo. So now you're in Northeast Minneapolis. Oh yeah, I'm out there with all uh, what the kids would call hipsters right. and all those different kind of kids. What's kinda... next, Fridley? Yeah, that's a little bit too north for me, especially okay. for my better half. She lit. She, well, she works in somewhere down in well. Same girlfriend or fiance? We've been together five years. She your fiance? Not, not, not yet. You know what's on level one here, don't you? Oh, I'm well aware. Continental Diamond. <laughs> I am well aware. I'm so happy that you are back in the mix nine to noon. <laughs> uh, let's do it again in a couple of weeks, and then we'll do it again at the state fair, and then we'll do it the rest of our lives. You better treat Evan Silva well because he is. You like, know him? Oh, do I know him? He's around the corner. I know. You got to treat him well. He is one of the godfathers. He is the legitimate godfather of, of fantasy football. You better treat him well. Is he? Really? How do you know him? I, I mean, I just know of him. I know of him. I've listened to him for many years. So and, wait, and he is—he's uh, going to be an elite one for you here. Do you? Um, do you snap him pictures of a bare-chested Bernsey? <laughs> You're the only one. Fifteen hundred red. How do you say that? How'd that go again? Brett Musburger and fifteen hundred <laughs> red-blooded Americans just applied to Florida State. <laughs> That's pretty spot on. I absolutely that is love spot on. that. Um, all right, I'll see you in a little while, all right? Let's do it. Uh, Evan Silva on Vikings meshing with fantasy, Vikings meshing with reality, and fantasy meshing with fantasy. Uh, it's for all the Tostitos, so don't leave. You're listening to PA. Lifelong listener to your show, and I'm also a Vikings fan and an alcoholic. I'd like to shed some light on this. On the fan. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. Cause tomorrow might very well be too late. Evan Silva, I can't hello. Wait. I can't wait Evan, hey, what's going on, Paul Allen? How are you doing? Evan Silva, it's Paul Allen. Is this the Evan Silva who is the senior football editor for super well-respected Roto World? That's correct. It's, it's good to talk to you again. We haven't talked in... Um... Five, six, seven years almost. Uh, you had me on a couple of times back in the day. Thanks for bringing me back, Paul Allen. You're one of my favorite uh, sports broadcasters that there is on the planet. Liner number two to join the Zilstra. Um, wait a second. Just for confirmation purposes, because like in this day and age, we use voice recognition. Is this the at Elva, is this the at Evan Silva via Twitter? And again, with rotoworld.com. This is you, right? Yes, it is, sir. Uh, so let me ask you a question. It's the A topic. Who represents the NFC in Super Bowl 53? 
the 2018 Minnesota Vikings. Now, wait a second here. We're not talking about some rube um, sitting on a stump bragging to dogs in heat. We're talking about somebody with Roto World and like 158,000 Twitter followers. So just for verification, Evan Silva, I'm going to ask you again. Who represents the NFC in Super Bowl 53? The 2018 Minnesota Vikings. My God. I, I think I love you. I mean, not not just like <laughs> love you, infatuated, or whatever. I think I'm in love. So just tell us why. Why do you think the Vikings represent the NFC uh, when when we go to Atlanta? Well, how about we start about start with why not? Um, let, let's talk about they, they do face a pretty difficult road, okay? The NFC is it's it's kind of like in the NBA where you have you know one conference is so much stronger than the other conference, and that is the case for the NFC over the AFC. Um, you know we have a lot of good teams at the top of the NFC. Obviously, the Eagles, the returning champions, um, the Rams are going to be really good. But I think that the Vikings made the the the, the most progress during the offseason. I think that they solidified their quarterback position. Um, you know, I think that their coaching staff uh, is among the best in football. I love the addition of John Filippo. You know, it, it's hard seeing Pat Shermer go. He really did a great job the last couple of years, particularly during that year where they couldn't pass protect at all, and they were able to get the ball out of Sam Bradford's hands quickly and, you know, stay competitive that year offensively behind a really bad offensive line. The offensive line has gotten a little bit better, um, and I think that it's to the point where it's competent. And now we're handing it over to John Filippo, who, you know, after the Eagles lost Carson Wentz, it seemed like their season might be over. But the way that Nick Foles was able to perform with John Filippo as his quarterback's coach you know, he wound up being the freaking Super Bowl MVP, and he had some monster games down the stretch against some very, very good defenses, as you guys well know. You guys know that better than anybody. But, you know, taking him away from that rival, I really like that. Um, you know, your, your defense is back healthy. I think it's a top three unit. Over the past, what, three years, the, the Vikings have won 11 or more games in two of those three years under Mike Zimmer, the only year that they didn't was that year uh, where they lost Teddy Bridgewater, you know, to that devastating injury before the season. So I think that they checked the box offensively. I think that they checked the box defensively. And I think that they checked the box from a coaching staff standpoint. And that's why uh, I like them to represent the NFC this year in the Super Bowl. Follow Evan's work at rotoworld.com. Rotoworld is uh, my go-to on many levels for many things, specifically with that big spot fantasy basketball league in which I play. I'm on Rotoworld all the time, and uh, Evan has a lot to do with that. Rotoworld.com. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, Evan, who do you like more and why? Dalvin Cook or Rex Burkhead? <laughs> well, I certainly have Dalvin Cook ahead in the rankings. I mean, I love Rex Burkhead because I think that Rex Burkhead has sensational touchdown upside uh, with New England. The Patriots have led the NFL in rushing touchdowns over the past six years. And Rex Burkhead, I think, is going to be their goal line back. Um, Dalvin Cook, though, you know, before his week four injury, he was on pace for 340 touches. 
And that is elite, elite volume, and that's what we're looking for out of a top-end fantasy running back. My question, though, with Dalvin Cook, and I have him as my number 12 running back entering the season. I've, I've moved him up steadily as he has shown that he is, you know, fully past the ACL. He's not practicing with the brace. Um, you know, he is a young player who should be, you know, have, be at a higher probability of being able to recover more quickly from a knee injury like that. Um, but my concern is, will, you know, the reason that I don't have him as like my number seven or my number eight running back is, will they ease him in a little bit? Right. Because Latavius Murray did perform pretty well last year when he finally got over that ankle injury. He was a pretty reliable workhorse, and over the past two seasons, yeah. Latavius Murray has finished top five in the NFL in carries inside the five-yard line. Mm-hmm. So will we see Latavius Murray stealing goal line carries from Dalvin Cook? I say yes. Uh, here's, yeah. the, here's the early intel. Uh, the Vikings went into pads Monday. Cook practiced, went incredibly hard. It was very hot. They went back into pads on Tuesday. No Dalvin. Uh, but I think it was no Dalvin from a precautionary standpoint. Then they had Wednesday off. They practice again today. Murray did not have the offseason last year because of a foot injury. Uh, Latavius looks specifically on the inside runs. Latavius looks really really good and he's sliding with things incredibly well uh he's used to these offensive linemen in front of him so yeah i mean i i if latavius murray had more rushing touchdowns than dalvin cook honestly i wouldn't be surprised now latavius never has caught a touchdown pass in his entire career latavius Mm -hmm. on my radio show seven days six days ago guaranteed that he's going to have at least one receiving touchdown because of the way d filippo does it I think I think Cook will have markedly more. But anyway, what about what about Kirk Cousins? What about Kirk Cousins meshing with these receivers, this team, and this offensive coordinator? And do you think patience will be required with this new quarterback as 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 we get into the season? So I think that the first concern with Kirk Cousins, just purely from a fantasy standpoint, is that he's probably just going to throw the ball less in Minnesota. The Vikings have a much better defense. Um, in Washington, he, he finished uh, 12th, 6th, and 8th in the NFL in pass attempts in, over the last three seasons, and I don't think he's going to be getting that, that kind of volume with the Vikings. But there are positives, beginning with the fact that the Vikings, because their defense is so good, they are going to put their offense in positions to have short fields. So – that is going to raise the, the touchdown scoring outlook for Kirk Cousins. I mean, I think that he has, even though he's going to throw the ball less in Minnesota, yeah. he could set a career high uh, from just a, a passing touchdown standpoint. Uh, I also went back and looked at his splits over the years um, when he plays indoors. And, of course, now he's going to be playing indoors in Minnesota. He's going to be playing at Ford Field as well. Uh, he has really favorable splits when he plays indoors. It's only a nine-game sample. He's only had made nine starts, uh, played start to finish uh, indoors, but he has an over 100 passer rating, 8.3 yards per attempt, uh, and that's up from 7.6 yards per attempt and a 92 passer rating when he plays uh, outdoors. So that was something that stood out to me. And then just the the playmakers around him, this is going to be the best supporting cast of Kirk Cousins' career, he did have decent weapons, especially when Jordan Reed was healthy in Washington. But Stephon Diggs, you know, let's hope he can avoid those groin injuries this year. 
Adam Thielen emerged as, you know, a top 10 NFL receiver last season. Uh, and Kyle Rudolph has, has 15 touchdowns over the last two seasons, one of the best red zone weapons at, at the tight end position in the league. What, uh, what do you think of Deshaun Watson's fantasy value? So he started six games last year, and during that six-game stretch, he outscored every other fantasy quarterback by six points per game. Wow. Um, which is just absurd. I mean, if you would just, if you were to just extrapolate his six starts across 16 starts, he would have scored more fantasy points than anybody in the history of the NFL. Wow. So we have seen that he has this monster ceiling. We know DeAndre Hopkins is healthy. Uh, Will Fuller, who he didn't have, uh, for, for much of last season is healthy as well. Um, you know, they, they drafted this, uh, uh, explosive slot receiver, Kiki Kuti out of Texas Tech. I think that he could add a, a new element to their offense and all the reports on him, you know, whereas like Carson Wentz tore his ACL in week 14, at least Deshaun Watson's ACL tear happened a little bit earlier, giving him some more recovery time. He's kind of on that same track as Dalvin Cook, where he's not wearing the brace. He is not limited at all. He was ready to go 100% for training camp, uh, and he's one of my, my first-tier quarterbacks. I think I have him as uh, the number four quarterback right now. Evan Silva, rotoworld.com, at Evan Silva via Twitter, senior football editor, Roto World. Last one, take as much time as you need. What uh, What is your opinion on Green Bay's offense from a fantasy perspective? Well... You know, Aaron Rodgers is, is next level. He's you know, made probably the most talented quarterback that I've ever seen play, um, you know, during, over a big stretch. And, you know, they're, they're going to be a, certainly a tough out every week, every week. What they do is they throw the ball a lot in the red zone, whereas, you know, the Vikings were kind of um, run heavier in the red zone last year. When Aaron Rodgers has been healthy, the Packers throw the ball in scoring position in 2016, when you know the last time Aaron Rodgers had a full um, had a full uh, season, they threw the ball on 67 percent of their red zone plays, which was the third highest mark in the league. So this off season, they go get Jimmy Graham, who can't run like he used to, uh, but he did lead the NFL in red zone targets last year, led the NFL in uh, targets inside the 10 yard line, scored seven touchdowns from the four yard line or closer. And they have Devontae who has scored uh, more, uh, touch, more receiving touchdowns than any player in the league over the last two years and has more red zone targets than any player in the league over the last two years. So, and Aaron Rodgers, if you include playoff games over his last 16 games, has thrown 40 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So I'm expecting a, a very high-scoring passing offense once again in Green Bay at the running back position, it's kind of wait and see. It's going to be a big training camp battle. Aaron Jones is out for the first two games. Jamal Williams averaged over 20 touches per game over the final uh, eight weeks of last season. He was the number eight overall fantasy running back Mm -hmm. during that stretch, but he's going to have to compete with Ty Montgomery and the more explosive Aaron Jones when he returns from that suspension. Evan, uh, my pleasure having you on the radio show. Let's do it more frequently. Enjoy uh, enjoy Bears and Ravens this evening and the preseason games, and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Sounds great. Thanks so much, Paul. Evan Silva with uh, Roto World and rotoworld.com. Much to your chagrin, Nordo, you're going to hate this. The next four nine to noon shows are yeah. all at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. 
I have Vikings game plan related duties where now we have to be there Tuesday. So we are there tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I love it, man. All right. Thank you. Paul Allen, uh, Nordo, Rap Shout. And thanks to the paddy wagon. I love the paddy wagon. 61st and Nicollet. Delicious food. Brings you the wraps. Let's do it. The love we lost. Brian Dozier brought the smile and the harmony. Somewhere between Kirby Puckett and Chris Parmalee. We'll miss him and root for him. Wish him luck. Till he gets a ring with the Dodgers, we all say, hmm. Time to drop the puck. Now, nah, maybe later. Who get destroyed more on Twitter? Greg Shiano, we're Josh Hader. Thanks to bare-chested Bo Hunt and Burns for setting us straight. PA's Google and Images, Jen Sturger at Florida State. Thanks to Perk, despite the cell phone clip. Evan Silva from Roto World. Elite takes from the hip. Back in Egan, where we feast tomorrow at 9. It's Lieber, it's Spielman, it's more. We find. Get out of my face with that crazy for everybody hey have a seat for a second nine to noon if it's good news or money leave a mess to listen back to a podcast of today's show visit the paul allen channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to kfan.com